They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. Hey. How you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Um, ah, t- to be honest, I'm really knackered. Why? I've just, be- I've just been out for um, well, a combination. I did BMF again yesterday. Oh, cool. And um, I'm, I don't pair them together enough so that every time I do them, this may be the third one of the year, it completely ruins me. And then also, um, I just went out for. I had this run that I've, I don't know if I've mentioned, have I mentioned the bum burner before. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, see, this is a good thing about having a partner who also runs because you, you then get to name these Strava segments, which if you just run by yourself, you might chuckle at them. But when, when you run with someone else, you can then refer to them regularly and they become a thing. So there's a, a hill near me which runs from Dulwich up to Crystal Palace. It's probably about 60 meters of ascent. So not huge, but um, not bad for London. Pretty good. Um, And that's over about 0.9 miles. So the bum burner is when you start at the bottom, run to the top and run back down. And I've been over the course of the last three months um, building up the number of bum burners I do on my tempo run, my Thursday run, nonstop run as that to me is probably the the best training for getting used to the up and downs of comrades uh, especially the downs and so I went out and I did five of them today uh, which given that I was broken I mean oh my god body now is so tired and um, yeah I, I caffeined up about halfway through and so I'm now coming down off a huge caffeine hi um and the pains and the aches of bmf yesterday everything it's all flooding back basically so um yeah i don't know if i'm gonna make it through to the evening what, what how are you i haven't asked you what what color are you in bmf bmf i always do red because oh i yeah i mean i i'll always i'll only do bmfs on monday which it should be a recovery run or wednesday which is my midweek slow jog so I, for one, I'm useless at all of the exercises. Um, well, most of them. Things like squat jumps, stuff is fine. But um, anything upper body, yeah, or core, just terrible. And also, I don't want to be running um, at an intense rate. I don't want to be building up any lactic at all. So yeah. I jog in between. So the my my hope is that if I go red, I can do all the exercises. If they're easy exercises, I do the green ones. But I'll then just jog and, and make sure you know be in the middle of the red pack. Yeah, mid red pack. Mid red pack. But we, I, I was with Miller and Pete this weekend. They, uh, they BMF'd greens. Oh, they're hardcore Danny, green, aren't they? Danny Bent did it as well. Oh, really? Yeah, and Briggsy. I was, I unfortunately had a bit of a, a sore throat, so I, um, I missed it. But yeah, interesting. Danny's never done one before, and he was broken by it. Was he? Yeah, he said it was really, really tough. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah, I mean, it's good to it's, it's good to hear in some ways, but I guess he's he's not in his project. Awesome. Um, 
ultimate hell week days. He's he's been doing CrossFit, but I wouldn't say that he's you know in the shape he has been. It's amazing, isn't it? The difference, it, the different types of fitness. It really, mm. I mean, like it really makes a difference. Like BMF fitness different from like running fitness different from. We're going to talk about this in a second, aren't we? When you because you were just asked me how how have you been and where have you been. I have, uh, yeah, I have to, where? I have to, I have to tell you. So I've been, I've been to the Lake District, uh, which yeah. is, uh, which is why uh, I've had a bit of a break, and you've, uh, you've been speaking to, uh, to Ali, and um, so yeah, so it was, it was a multi-activity holiday, as you do, like when you have children. So you know, there was also, you know, obviously a bit of, a bit of walking, a bit of hiking, um, uh, you know, feeling a bit of climbing and stuff. I don't do climbing, yes. so well, I couldn't have done in this situation, but. Um, and then there was, of course, the obligatory um, biking, mountain biking. Obligatory? I mean, why, why, why obligatory? Well, because she's just, she's like, she loves like cycling. She loves like mountain biking and stuff like that. And as a family, um, you think, well, mm. okay, this, this, this makes sense. So it's Lake District though, isn't it? So you think, oh, it's not going to be, it's not going to be flat. It's not like going along like Brighton Seafront or something like that, is it? Or along a, yeah. uh, like a thing. So we go to uh, we go to Grisdale Forest, and um, we go to this uh, place that uh, what's it called rents out bikes and everything. Yeah, and of course I don't I haven't got a clue about anything to do with bikes or anything. And I'm thinking oh it's just going to be this like nice easy track that we're just going to yeah. go around because we said it's a fam like we're we're a family. And oh yeah, and I'm taking Hugo, who's two, in the back <laughs> on a trailer on the back, one of those like full along buggy things. And he's going like Is that the ones where he sits in it or is it can he spin his legs as well? No, 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 he sits in it. No. Okay. And so and so I've got that on the back of it, and that's pretty heavy because we all know like Hugo is the largest baby that ever ever <laughs> lived. He's, he's almost bigger than me. He's a boss. Hugo he is boss. massive. He is. <laughs> and um and so like Frida and like Libby, they get their bikes and stuff like that, and it's all going. It's all like half raining and stuff like that, so it's already a little, a little bit shit. Um, and of course, like so, we set off on this trail, and this bloke's going, yeah, you know, it's like just a like, typical thing. Goes, oh yeah, you just go, and it's like nice and easy. Um, and then there's a little bit of uphill and, you know, and, it, and then you spend the next like two hours, what seems like just literally going uphill. <laughs> and, and because I've got a fucking trailer on the back of it, it's like, it's mainly me pushing a bike with a trailer on the back of it. And of course, Hugo's not enjoying it. So he's screaming his fucking head off the whole time. So, or, so really my experience of like cycling is me pushing a bike uphill while a baby screams. It, it's... <laughs> But, but what did but, your what did your daughter make of it? Did she enjoy it? Well, she was just like, why? Well, she, I mean, like I I went mountain biking with her before. There's there's a trail near here um, again, which is supposed to be like a family thing, and uh, you know, and she's like six. She doesn't like any any power in her legs, like mm. any incline. She she's screwed, um, and so you go on like one of these trails, and of course, she, most of the time she's spent pushing the bike up the hill or whatever. Uh, and so you're just like, well, I, I'm really sorry that this isn't as much fun as you think it was going to be. And she's, as you also, she's a bit scared of going on the downhills as well. So there's absolutely no joy for her doing like mountain biking. <laughs> Is that your attention? Are you trying to trying to ring out, ring out the, ring out any joy in cycling? Yeah, because I bet if she was loving it on the way down, you'd just give her a little nudge, just so she had any old crash to undermine her confidence. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, no, she goes over the handlebars. She won't want to do this again. <laughs> but having said that, having said that on the like on the last part of it, so 
because um, so uh, Hugo is going like psychotic, uh, and then eventually he wore himself out and, and decided to go to sleep. We got to like this top of this the top of this hill, and like Libby's like, like this has got beyond um, miserable now. So let's, <laughs> let's 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 all go. Let's all just go back. And I was thinking, oh, if Hugo wakes up, he's going to be hungry and he's going to be angry and stuff like that. And he starts waking up as we get to like the halfway point, like the top of this hill. And I'm like, I'm right. I'm going to have to leave you because I'm just going to try and get back to the bottom as quickly as possible before he starts going mad. <clears throat> so I then decided. Um, is he strapped in? Yeah, 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 he's strapped in. Although that's not doing anything because like when he's like throwing himself, well, he's throwing himself around and he's throwing the, all the stuff out of the thing. So you have to like pin him in like a caged animal. <laughs> um, and then it was like it was pretty much all downhill the thing. And so I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'm just going to go as hard as I can. And thought like what must have been a like a momentary second. I thought this is quite good actually. Like I was like guy like, pelted it down and. And then I made it my aim to not um, to like cycle all the uphill bits as well, um, and, and not put my feet down. And yeah. and for like a, a like a mo a brief momentary thing when you like do a big uphill, and and you get to the top without putting your feet down, I felt this like twinge of oh oh <laughs> maybe this is it maybe this is what like cyclists like maybe this is it and of course you're going past loads of people I like, I whiz past some people on some segways. And they see this like absolute legend flying flying past them with a baby on the back, <laughs> screaming his head off. I go right, 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 guys, just going back now. Yeah, so uh, so that was my my brief um, uh, so there's still adventure. Hope. There, uh, no, there was like a little momentary like twinge of oh oh. Um, I can see, I can see why the you know the like that minute element of um, enjoyment. Maybe that's maybe that's what people find interesting in it. But I just, Are you it's... wearing suitable cycling attire? <laughs> no, I wasn't wearing anything suitable whatsoever. I was wearing like completely the wrong outfit. I was like absolutely like boiling. I mean, <laughs> it's you know it's like the equivalent of like going for a, going for a, you know, doing an ultra in a pair of jeans and a, and a fucking sweatshirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was just what I was wearing. So, so I was just thinking, well, I just thought, well, cycling's not a real exercise, is it? So if it's all on the flat, it's not like, I'm just going to be just like going around. I'm, you know, you're hardly going to break a sweat. Yeah. But of course, when they, you know, easy, easy up in the Lake District means pretty hard for someone down south, doesn't it? So... <laughs> So yeah, so that's it. So I have had I had like a like a pretty active uh, active weekend. I got out and I did um, uh, a few runs as well, which um, which is always like massively painful in the late. So is, is sub four training still on the cards? Sub, I t- like sub four is well off the cards. Oh. Like, it's well, it's just like after being ill for for that long as well, and um, yeah, I just I'm, I, I'm, I don't think I'm even going to come close to it. Oh no! And I've okay. got I've got um, tennis path one hundred two weeks after. So I was going to say to you, do I try? Do I just try for sub four? Yeah, I mean it's going to be too close to then. But if you're not ready for sub four, you're not ready for tennis path one hundred oh, yeah, for a good yeah. time there. So, but I think I think it would be interesting just to see how you do. Yeah, I think you do better than you expect. Yeah, I think so because I, I I have I have been doing a lot of training. So, um, but yeah, I don't I don't I'm I'm, I'm just well I, if I don't feel confident now, then yeah, 
it's like I've already given up. Or I'm just the getting my is- Or am I playing mind games? <laughs> you listening, Tom? Things you could run, you could you could do the first half in two hours. Yeah. And then decide. Yeah. Because you're going to know by mile fifteen. You might even, I mean, if you know by thirteen, yeah, sub, you know, sub four's not on. Yeah. Then you've tested it, and then you can back off. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but if you if you get to fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. You know, you you you've marathoned enough to know when you're in that zone. Yeah, this is on, or if it's not, and so you can then roll the dice from then. Because if you've done even 16 miles at four-hour marathon pace and you back off, yeah, it's tiring, but you'll recover by two weeks. Yeah. Okay, that's a good idea. Good idea. And you'll know what the wind's like because that's the thing. Brighton, the killer is if you get headwind for that last three, four miles. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't ever recall that being an issue. Any point? I may, maybe because you've always been worried about not getting anything to drink. Uh, previous ones and everything, but um, but yeah, yeah, good, good idea, good strategy. Let's go. It's for not it. far now. Let's two weeks, three weeks. Two, two, it's, well, it's not even that. It's like ten days. Yeah. Amazing. Ka-ching. So you've yeah. practically tapered. Well, you are tapering now, yeah, unless I'm you're not, not really. because of Thames Bath. Well, I'm not really tapering. I'm just still running. Yeah. I mean, that's the trouble with back-to-back races. I'm just going to move my phone. Where is it? Because it keeps on vibrating. I've lost it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the trouble with back-to-back racing is that you can't really taper or recover. No. You Or you've got to choose one or the other. Um, and if you don't, you're not going to run well and you're, you're going to get injured. So, yeah, difficult, difficult. Difficult, but, difficult, um, lemon difficult, as they say. But we have got a lot of catching up to do. We have. It feels like an eternity since we last spoke. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Well, firstly, welcome to the Bad Boy Running Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we really are ropey on our intros. We've I done do. a little bit, but I am David Hellard. Uh, I am the guy who is older but looks younger of the two of us. I am Jodie Rainsford. I am <laughs> the the person who I don't actually. I'm not entirely sure. I've I've been reading some of our recent reviews, and there have been some excellent ones. And um, this is on iTunes. Uh, so yeah. if you've been on iTunes, leave us a five star review on iTunes, or if you don't leave us five star, don't bother. Um, and one person has like written this thing where it says uh, like really like the podcast. Blah 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 blah. blah. Apart from one of them has an annoying laugh. And I don't know who they're talking about. Is it you? Is it me? Who has the annoying laugh? Oh, I think I, I guess me. It might be quite Beavis and laugh. Yeah, it's quite Beavis and Butthead. Is it? Do a laugh. I, you, it, will, it will happen. You can't force these things. <laughs> Go on. But it's like a little giggle, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's my laugh. Which one of those is more annoying? Maybe we need to do a poll. <laughs> Which is this? That's a brilliant thing to do. Just just undermine both our confidence with one comment, but you won't get in trouble for it because we'll we'll be like, do they mean me? But then there if you ever meet us, we'll then you can then go, oh, of course it's not you, it's the other guy. What a great way to neg without negging. I think there's loads of loads of listeners do that. They go, oh yeah, yeah, you're the funny one, Jody. You're the funny one. You really, you know, you really help help David. I bet people say to you, 
You do so what so well carrying Joe. Who's the ant? Who's the deck? No, That's no, the, no. Who's the ant? No, who's no. the deck? Well, I've got the drinking problem, so. <laughs> and I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> but, um, so I have got some. Um, I've I've got some big news. Oh. And, and I need some suggestions from the Do Better community. So Mama B is uh, Claire, my lovely girlfriend's mother. Mama B is now on Strava. Oh, right. Okay. This is big. And all of the routes that she's run, that she's now running, I've already run. I've been training for my house. I've, I've mapped all the hills. I've done all the little areas she's going to go into. So what kind of tricks should we play? I can make any segments because I've run those routes already. Um, but what, what should we do for Mama B? I think, I think you're getting into a whole world of filth with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think the person that's going to come out badly, this is Claire. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> <it's fine. laughs> so you think it's going to, me and Mama B are going to be fine then? Perfect. I think you're fine. I think you're just, she's going to come out badly because, you know, so you, you, you need to cast aspersions on her daughter, of course, so that when she's running and she's picking up these segments, um, maybe associating them with the locations she's running in. Briggs, the Briggsy fingering corner. <laughs> oh my God! You went there straight away. <laughs> no, the the, 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 the Claire mile. Briggs. No, this is more, the better way to do it. The Claire Briggs finger post. Because <laughs> then at least she's like, is this a, <laughs> is, this, is this an audience survey map directional Strava segment, or is this where Claire used to come and uh, meet her boys? It could be both. It could be both. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I think actually this is a very good participatory uh, Facebook group post. I think there's plenty of suggestions. To, so to so do better, let us know what what trickery should we uh, should we do for Mama B? And it could be encouraging because she's just getting back into running. So it could be wonderful stuff. Um, it could be really nice things. Um, there's definitely going to be, be a milf, milf related thing, isn't there? I mean, it doesn't have to involve the resistance forces from the Philippines. <laughs> exactly. How do, how do we get it back to the Philippines, really? And if, if, that, if that means nothing to you, then go listen to the A to Z of Do Battery. It talks about all our lexicon. But, um, but yeah, I think this is a good theme as well, because the ideas that we come up with can be used, surely, for all of our friends, girlfriends, um, family so I think this should just be, how do we mess with people on Strava? How do we mess with people on Strava? That's, that's, that's really good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. But you've been doing a lot of catching up with uh, a fellow do-batter. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good seg, actually. Because th- when you talked about Strava, I was thinking about, thinking about that. Yeah, so, um, so our uh, Bad Boy Running's resident challenge meister... Least the, he's Evans. the Mike Bushel of the the bad boy running. He's the Mike Bushel. <laughs> he goes out and does the challenges. An even smaller version of Mike Bushel. <laughs> he's he's a, a mini Bushel of Mike Bushel. He's a bu- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lee Stewart Evans, fresh from his ten thousand calorie challenge, has uh, is doing redoing the Monarchs Way, and um, of course, if you've not listened to uh, the Monarchs Way episode, um, he talks about that. I can't remember the number, but he talks about how he was going to run the 650 mile challenge before doing it. 
Um, and of course, he was unsuccessful um, when we did that. We covered that on the on the YouTube channel last time. We saw his slow descent into madness, and <laughs> and, and it was awful. And the uh, so he, so he's trying it again, doing it two weeks, not doing the, the official Monarchs Way Ultras run by um, uh, the the thing, which is a whole discussion unto itself, which we're not going to have on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's not going to. We know, well, we, we, all right. So there's there's some bits of that discussion I think we can have. But, but let's let's just say the difference this year is that Lee Stewart Evans this year is uh, is running fueled purely with spite. <laughs> spite. So he um, Lee Lee has differences with the uh, the person that runs the Monarchs Way Ultra, and so of course he's running it a little bit earlier um, because last time he did it, he found that actually all the crops. Um, by the time they'd done it last time, all the crops had grown, the fields were bad and everything because, of course, it hit spring. The only problem with the way of doing it this time is that they've had floods, like, <laughs> everywhere. Oh, I mean, it looks horrific. It looks absolutely like, horrific. Like floods that I didn't know existed in the UK. Yeah, yeah, like things that look like, uh, you know, like Hurricane Katrina-style floods <laughs> in places like Bromsgrove. Is it just a puddle, but on <laughs> Lee they look... <laughs> really deep it's just going over potholes like oh my (laughs) god this huge lake no no it's just a pothole but yeah so so he he kicked off um and like very very quickly it's gone it it seemed to be going very badly but the difference this time is that he's had um so he's had like support with you know people running with him and um of course he's not hemmed in by where they have the checkpoints so i think the last Mm. time the checkpoints every 45 miles stuff like that and in places that made it very difficult to sleep. So this time we could be a bit more relaxed, sticking to the route, um, and then coming off to like stay either in B and Bs or or things like that. And you know, like t- talking to him the other day. So I've been catching up with him like every couple of days, um, and so uh, I, and he's he, like he's definitely in much better spirits because at least he's getting proper sleep, at least he's getting proper food, because he's not doing it like fully self-supported, as I think they have to do on the... He looks like he's doing really well. Well, he's doing much better. He's, like, he's well ahead of where he was before. Um, mm. I mean, even though that for periods he's been like you know, walking through like water that's... I mean, like just like when Kieran was running with him, mm. like the sections of the path, there was like no path there. It was just, it was like river. It, I mean, mm. it's just incredible how bad it's been. I mean, today when it went to the Cotswolds, as we're recording this, it's been lovely. But um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the combination, he, he sounds like he's been having a great time with it as well. Like people have been really supportive in pubs and everything else. But We've even had a do better dad, haven't we? Well, this is the thing we're t- oh, this is the thing where you're talking about Strava. Yeah, we're talking about. So um, is it? Uh, it's Tom Walker, isn't it? Who yeah. uh, went out on the course and um, has been leaving messages on on the uh, on the signs. <laughs> really, <But laughs> anonymous. He did this anonymously. What um, type of messages? Well, things like, oh, uh, surely you need some like wellies here. Um, hashtag <laughs> FYB. Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> absolutely amazing. brilliant. That's like, incredible. Like these, all these things. You know, it's like it's a bit wet out here. You know, night time for a snorkel and stuff like that. All those things, just utterly, utterly brilliant. But completely forgot that he'd recorded that on Strava. So like literally like trying to keep trying to keep this anonymity. And of course, like Lee finds it immediately. But yeah, so what they did is they basically they went to a went to a pub and they um they found um uh like Tom's uh, father in law there. So the, the Tom's dad just recognised him or had heard about it or well, I don't know. I don't I don't know how they how they managed to 
I don't, I don't really know the, like the full story and everything, but um, but yeah, got loads of dirt. Like, I mean, like, they they've been probably they've been having like lock-ins and stuff. Like, people in the pubs have been allowing them to like stay in there and keep warm, and you know, just it's just been really good, brilliant. You know, yeah, as well. So I suppose you know, anything that helps popularize a route that like no one ever ever wants to walk on or go down most of the time is incredible. Yeah, but you're, I think you're absolutely right that. You know the big thing that's fueling him. Uh, you know, possibly <laughs> if we could, if you could pack it that up, you might want to sell it alongside <laughs> Caffeine Bullet, which is just pure, pure hatred and spite. Because you know, uh, he just before starting this challenge, and there's a lot of background to this that we can't talk about. But um, just before starting the challenge, uh, he um, he posted a blog about the previous one, which upset the 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 race director of the Ultra, who then decided to post that in the Ultra Running Community uh, Facebook group. And I've got to say um, that, uh, and all credit to like do badders and stuff like defending Lee and stuff, that it was pretty unsupportive of what Lee's doing. I mean, like there was it was pretty like I you know I always thought of like the, like the ultra community as being quite a supportive group of people, and you know people are doing big challenges and stuff like that. And it was it was pretty nasty, like some of the things people were saying. Um, you know about Lee and about um, like taking on challenges like this without you know saying that he's like very ordinary and stuff like mm. that and that he hasn't prepared enough. And as Lee rightly points out, so exactly tell me how how do you prepare for a six hundred and fifteen mile race? Uh, you know, and, and and this you know and the, and the race director was saying this as well, which um, is you know is a, is up. And also, well, how do you how do you prepare prepare to be the first person to do something? Exactly. Exactly, and they said, "Oh, he's, you know, he's a very ordinary runner." Or, you know, well, you know, what that that's a that's a very interesting thing. But I don't think he's been. Te- I don't think many people have tested him over six hundred and fifteen miles before. You know, you might be good over hundred miles or two hundred miles, but over six hundred and fifteen miles, at least Stuart Evans at the moment, you know, could be could be the best person so far. So I don't know. It's just it, it was really surprising, and it and the, the thing that I uh, took away from that was that it made me really appreciate. Uh, I really understand why um, why we have like the do better community because I can't imagine people. I mean, we give each other banter and stuff, but uh, it's pretty bad seeing people lay into Lee. I mean, like that's our job. We're supposed to <laughs> we're supposed to put him down. We're supposed to make it. But other people doing it, it's just like no. And and I can't. I just uh, why I just don't understand why people uh, um, weren't being like more supportive of what he was doing. But um, I, I think though you can. The, the 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 trouble is with it, with Facebook now and the way all the algorithms work. If whoever posts a statement or starts a thread, their friends will see it first because they have their um, settings that only see highlights or friends posts. Yeah. And so then whoever whatever the tone is of the the person who's written a post is then reflected in the first people that come and actually start commenting on it. Yeah, and then if you're someone who doesn't really know the situation, for one, can you be asked to read through all the comments? But for two, you don't want to get involved and kind of throw you don't you don't want to throw yourself into a viper pit, really, do you? No. And so, I think the because this happened on the obstacle race community, I think it just happens on communities where the actual community might be incredibly supportive. Yeah. But if something negative happens it gets very negative very quickly because it, it facebook just magnifies yeah the associations and therefore the feelings of anything said and so um 
Yeah, I don't think it necessarily reflects on the ultra running community. No, no, no. I, the, the, that's the thing. I, it, 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 it saddened me a little bit that people were a little uh, that they were, were very negative about it. But you know, the um, the, the uh, moderator of that group like was very sort of fair and saying like, well, you know, stop. It was just it was like the personal attacks and stuff were just incredible. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah. you know, he was like saying it's a very fair and balanced blog post. You know, no more personal attacks. And more people then chimed in and you know started saying it. Um, it actually, you know, uh, we should be more supportive. The comments here aren't reflective of the community, and it was just, it was just, it was one of those things where, I mean, as a result of that, actually, that's how he's got live tracking because the thing that they were calling into question, the thing that this rate, the race director was calling into question, was the fact that he's, oh, you know, he's trying for a fastest known time, but he hasn't got live tracking. You know, ooh, you know, is, does he have the integrity to do it, stuff like that? And then someone chirped, someone go, oh, I'll give him live tracking, and so someone sorted it out for them. So he's got live oh, tracking the whole cool. way. So he's oh, just, that's good. So yeah, so he's had live tracking. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's um, so yeah, so it's great. So we know where he is, and people have gone out to meet. I mean, that's the other thing: the amount of like do badders that have gone out to meet him, um, and even like people, people in the ultra running group as well have gone out to meet him because you can follow him um, and walk with him well, and stuff. Well, Claire and I were saying let's let's pop in and just say hello to him without him knowing, and then we looked at the room and we're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go. Let's just pop down to Devon. It uh, goes from far away to further away. Yeah, that's it. It, it basically tries. It's almost as though you've done something wrong, and he's trying to stay as far <laughs> yeah. away from you as possible yeah. at every stage without, it looks without like there's one bit, the country. There's one bit that I've tried to visit, and Sue's done a little loop to try and shake <laughs> yeah, me off. Exactly. <laughs> David's come near me. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> but um, I've I've been getting in a bit of trouble myself. What? What do you mean? Oh, is this, been... are you, is this caffeine bullet promotion? Potentially, oh, I've been. Go on. What have you been doing? Is this your spam? Is this your spam a lot campaign? I've been flagged as as. Uh, is it Strava wanker? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yes, I remember <laughs> Strava wanker. Oh man, there's nothing worse than being <laughs> accused of something, and you look at it and you go, "Shit, yeah, yeah, they're right." <laughs> Bugger, sorry guys. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, I, I wasn't aware Strava Wanker was a Twitter thing, but it's quite funny. And yeah, yeah, I've been a bit of a Strava Wanker, I'm afraid. So apologies, people. Go on. So what, what have you been doing? I thought I thought that this was your like influencer style campaign, wasn't it? I thought it was quite a good, quite a good strategy. Yeah. Well, I, I think the trouble is now if you if you don't have any money, the way to market is is very hard because all the social media sites are now closing down on actual openness and so um i came up with this this little i think it's called growth hacking but i i I may have found quite a few profiles from strava and then (laughs) i may i may have have stumbled across a few and then found a way of directly messaging uh, and and this is the thing I and directly messaging people from me essentially yeah. and um, and I mean Strava is actually quite good in that there are they 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 limit how much you can do um, because they I think they've anticipated these problems and, but I I think I was quite unlucky in that in the two or three days before there was a whole load of um, of Strava spam where people were setting up porn segments people were setting up porn profiles and then kudosing people so that you'd see them and so when i'd been planning for probably about three months this whole strava campaign um 
then three days before it's like oh my god it's like you're just about to break in somewhere yeah and some guy starts ringing a bell it sets the alarm off you're like fuck but yeah i, I basically i mean your people hopefully have seen that my plan is to give out caffeine bullets to people for them to try it and hopefully they'll buy more um because i've got no money and it's, it's a lot cheaper to give people a pack of caffeine bullet than to do anything else um but my intention was to go to all of the main influencers on Strava and just message them saying, hey, have a packet on me. Here's your code. Um, but day, well, less than 24 hours into it. Yeah, closed down. Bang. Oh, closed down? Well, basically got a written warning. And while, while I could continue doing it, there are ways and strategies to get around it. Um, I, I just thought, yeah, fair cop. For one, I don't want to lose my profile. Um, you know, I love Strava. But also, I tried it. Yeah, it didn't work. And I think to, to continue doing it, that's when you're a proper cock. So um, apologies if I've annoyed anyone. Um, I, I was, I, I didn't think I would, actually, because I'd, I'd, re- I'd be very careful about segmenting. I'd, I'd found people who were just UK. I then segmented the runners. I then split them into people who are active runners. Um, so that's partly why so many people I knew got messages for me as if I didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but also, you know, I, I'd done it in, in what I thought was the least spammy way possible. Um, right. but it's, what's, what's really interesting is the indignation with which some people would respond. Oh God. Yeah. Which really. It, it was, if I had, you know, was, it, it was, if I was Eddie Izzard, but <laughs> Not but bad. yeah, and people were like, "No, thank you. This is not blah blah. This is not spam. This is like spam, 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 <laughs> spam, spam." And I then said, and I I made sure I'd replied to everyone. I'd said, "I'm very sorry. I genuinely thought, as a runner who clearly did a lot of miles, that you might be interested in the free packet that I'm paying for of product to help you with your running." Um, oh, I didn't say that. That's what I thought. Because well, obviously, if I said that, I'd look like a twat. But that's that's what I was thinking. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm going bye 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 bye. I'm actually putting my hand in my pocket and saying, I think this will help you. Would you like some? Yeah. But even that, that the amount of indignation from some people, crazy. But yeah, there we go. So apologies, people. If uh, well, for one, if you didn't get any hellard loving. And for, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. No. So the people have fainted because you you've bothered to. Um, bother them on the free platform that they use and um and then the people who didn't get it are offended because you didn't consider them to be uh higher mileage enough to yeah to, to but don't it. blame me it literally was the numbers i was going through <laughs> literally was going through. you were just you the al- blame the algorithm blame the, the algorithm, algorithm. Right? Yeah, the algorithm. started at the top but i'll work my way down so um if you weren't one of them it was basically because i got busted before i could get to you because i <laughs> I'm not going to say how many profiles I may or may not have uh, have access to, um, but there were quite a few, should we say? It's quite a few. Anyway, anyway, moving, moving on. Should we, should we uh, somehow try and segue from from online discussion to further online discussion? Yes. With our next guest. Yes, that's a really, really shit seg. But... Oh, do you know what we should have done? Well. We should have we should have talked about your Lake District um, holiday at the end and then gone from Segway to Segway. Come on, that would have been brilliant. 
That is really, really. Sh- I thought you were going to go from from cycling in a forest to running in a forest. Oh, I forgot about that story. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Or, or to uh, no, no, I wasn't. No, gonna, <laughs> I was going to say something. I've a forest, but yes, yes, it will make sense what I was alluding to at the end of this episode. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, go on. Let's just let's tease a load of stuff that makes no sense whatsoever at the start of this. <laughs> well, um, listeners, we were, t- we were just about to do an intro, and then Ralu um, just threw in an absolute. Uh, well, curveball. So uh, we we basically for a while we've been, we've been talking about how we wanted to bring on someone who's really been through the transition and the, the ongoing transition really from from paper to online of of media, the rise of bloggers, the rise of influencers, influencers, all those things. Um, so Ralu Alahant, who you probably know as the head of content for the Running Bug, uh, we've both, both Jodie and I have have met her and converse for had drinks of her through the years she seems to have popped up everywhere um so we're, we were going to discuss that but then just before seconds before we did the intro she mentioned that she was involved in a naked tiger run oh, is that you right think, you think that's impressive i've got way more stories <laughs> oh wow so let's forget about the uh retrospective of um, magazine print and online and let's just go through that instead yeah let's go through that list <laughs> yeah so Hello. let's yeah so so welcome Ralu well, to welcome. to the podcast thank you thanks for having me <laughs> so w- what is this uh naked tiger run then and why <laughs> haven't we done it <laughs> basically it's streak for tigers it's a race around london zoo that they do every year to raise money for tigers and um back when i was writing for runners world maybe about three years ago now i can't remember they always used to ask me to do the really stupid things because they knew I was up for it. So I found myself running naked through the zoo. <laughs> and is, I mean, fully naked? Yeah, completely. I would say stark bollock naked, but I haven't got bollocks, so. <laughs> they, were they having to get really um, clever photography that was angling, like, the, the gorillas just yeah. holding like holding their hands up in front of your, your lady bits yeah. and well, things it, like that? Interestingly, so there there are quite a few papers like Metro and that were there, but they said if you don't want to be seen in the paper or online, go completely naked. Whereas people who had body paint on were more likely to get shown because they could show them in the papers without it looking too, you know. Ah, yeah, I see. sensible, sensible. So yeah. I'm I'm thinking this wasn't done on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, general, general, general admission. <laughs> Half term. <laughs> yeah. so, normally people could go in, but it was in the evening, so it was, the zoo was closed. But people could go in, so there were quite a lot of people there. But um, had they been warned? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a surprising number of men. Actually. I'll bet there were. I bet there. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, how to this was it genuinely a race? Were some people really? gunning it no it was really very carry on camping it was like lots of I mean unsurprisingly a huge number of the race entrants were naturists who just couldn't love any excuse to get their kit off in public <laughs> the actual number of serious racers probably zero so um yeah I think I found I think I found a race I might be able to win David <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that because they're, no, Jodie, they run away from you so quickly. Years, I am, year, like three years later, I still get messages now from creepy weirdos saying, looking at the, at the rate, and I happen to spot your tattoo and your hair color, and I realized it must have been you. Oh, oh wow. That pretty hard, do you? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I think, I think we need to, so we have a, a, a man, uh, Josh, who does, he, he has to do 12 challenges to uh, make up for, for sins in his past life, essentially. I, Josh Stevens, I think this should be one of the challenges. One of, of the labels. One of the 12 labels. Yeah, one of the labels. Yeah. I think what is it? should run at least one naked race in their life. It's very liberating. How many are there? <laughs> well, it turns out there's loads, but they're all like, sort of you know naturist run events in deepest wiltshire and stuff like that so, uh, well, so what, what sort of distance are we talking here oh <laughs> not very far if i wish i'd known you were going to ask me all about this because i would have done my research i can't remember where did you put your gels oh wait a minute no no this is it did you have to run barefoot no you were allowed to wear trainers that was it oh yeah. And did you actually go through the tiger enclosure? We weren't what? actually like hunted <laughs> by tigers. No. <laughs> yes, yes, they made us run through the tiger enclosure. <laughs> what? I thought, you know, saving money on tea and feeding the tigers. Don't have to buy meat. I've only got one leg, but it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Who wow, came up, who came up what, with what, that what, idea? I mean, I don't understand. What's the link between streaking what? and tigers? Because tigers have streaks, as in stripes, mate. I've got no idea. God, that is tenuous. Yeah. I love it. I bet there's not a charity. <laughs> yes, it was just, you were just set up. It's probably the um the, the CCC, uh, the, the security of um of London Zoo. Like, how can we get naked people yeah. on our CCTV constantly? I, I, I'm going to say, uh, at the risk of offending a few people, we really weren't the hottest bunch of naked people. <laughs> Not like, mm, you know. I just, well, I, what I, 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 I was going to say, I was just, I can't imagine the conversation you had. Like, I remember, like, on, on men's running at um, pretty much the same time, I, w- I was always given um, the, uh, the jobs that no one else wanted to do or the things that, that, that made it look difficult. And so you'd get things through and then you'd obviously get the call to, to do something. I just, uh, I'm curious as to how the conversation went as to, <laughs> so we've got a race and uh, it's minimalist. It's minimalist. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, do, I don't, would you, be, would you be able to have that conversation these days? I'm not even sure you would. Well, um, Kerry is, uh, at, at Rumpard, <laughs> is a good friend of mine and he knows I've got a sense of humor and I'm up for most things. But actually, I usually pitch the ideas to them. So um, there's a, well, I guess I should probably tell you the whole story. <laughs> oh, God, it's getting deep. I love this. Brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, do you want, shall I just tell you the whole story from the beginning? Yeah, go on. Okay. So I didn't start out in um, running journalism in fact I didn't take up running until my late 20s and I was not sporty at all and um, my granny and my great granny were actually competitive sprinters but I thought sport was really uncool and when I went to school in the 80s you know 
it, everything was about being really, really thin and smoking fags without having to do to, to lift a finger. The idea of being seen to be sporty was like really uncool. <laughs> so when I got my first job in journalism, um, I wanted to work for something a bit interesting because I've got like a filthy sense of humour. So my first job was actually um, in porn. <laughs> Whoa! Because <laughs> they're, they're known for their humour. <laughs> I don't mean like, uh, I was still as a journalist, not as a porn star. So. Do you write the stories? So um, there's a ma- there used to be a magazine called Penthouse Forum, which I don't know if you'll remember, was an offshoot of Penthouse. So it contained lots of stories and letters and sort of weird kinky shit. So it was it <laughs> no photographs, just a journal? Or... So there was a lot of photos as well, yeah. <laughs> it was a mag, but it was a literary grot mag. Oh, okay. And funnily enough, Alistair Campbell used to write for them as well. So, you know, there was some... (laughs) 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 Give us us an idea of the the type of headings or the the type of regular sections that a magazine like that would have, for example. Um, um, Okay, so I I used to do uh, like sex toy of the month and I'd review the sex toys. And then, um, but I'm, I'm assuming that it was only read by men. So by you actually I, trying the sex toys, almost prohibits the usefulness of the male reader. I, I had this crazy idea that I was going to transform the porn industry. From <laughs> <laughs> literally about, from the inside. Yeah, literally. And it was all about feminism, and I was going to, you know, own my sexuality. And I, yeah, I didn't exactly work out like that but um <laughs> how have we got here I'm no just this, is, this is what we do <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about we normally, <laughs> so anyway anyway as we back to the story wait one sec i've got to wait for my moment to leave the room because otherwise <laughs> does he he's, know all of this he's gone it's fine we can talk now <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't know any of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what type of um, what would be a typical piece, or what would um, what would an article typically okay. cover? I really enjoyed the sort of hilarious expose. You know, I love an adventure, so mm. I would do things like you know uncovering weird things in the fetish in community like there's this um there's this subgroup of fetishists called lunars and they're people that really get turned on by the idea of blowing up balloons and and then popping them (laughs) i think that's quite adorable in some ways it's not sexy though is it it's not sexy (laughs) turn on so that you you know they these sort of people they had very limited um access to this type of media that would turn them on so they'd do things like you know charlie and the chocolate battery the scene where violet beauregard explodes yeah so yeah i would interview people like that or you know um i i, I visited porn sets and met porn interviewed porn stars and every, basically some really fucking weird shit 
<laughs> I've interviewed dominatrixes in their homes with their um, with their sleighs in cages. And, <laughs> and have you have you ever run into someone since um, in a completely different context? So you just thought, oh wow, that's dominatrix Diamante. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I don't. I don't think I have. But I'll tell you what. They. I used to go to this expo for the magazine, which was I did, similar to the London Marathon Expo. <laughs> lots of stalls with different anything to do with the sex industry, and I always remember thinking that when I then moved into um, a different kind of publishing, how incredibly similar the clientele were. <laughs> in visiting expos I was you know be it about kinky sex and um BDSM or running they're the same sort of weirdos they really are (laughs) I've been to the I've been to the the running expo (laughs) see every year it's filth it's filth isn't it (laughs) (laughs) they're just a certain type of character it's somebody that's real a real enthusiast Mm. I really believe has got the same mindset. So fetish enthusiasts and running enthusiasts are not that different. But I I think and this is run- this is someone who's defending it here you're listening to. Go <laughs> on, carry on David. <laughs> I think in my head though, um like a, a a running enthusiast who goes to those things is constantly running the whole time whereas a sex enthusiast who goes to those things I imagine just reads about stuff and has never actually no, done it. Not so. So <laughs> the real hardcore enthusiasts who are into BDSM, there's this concept of lifestyle BDSM where they live and breathe uh, in a S&M relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm feel bad going on record talking about this because I haven't actually done anything to do with this industry for like 10 years. So things have probably progressed since then. But yeah, there are people that... <laughs> live as full-time slaves and full-time masters and uh, yeah it's a lifestyle it's not just about the odd kinky wank mag and would like a, would a full-time slave i assume they they wouldn't be paired with a full-time master they'd be paired by someone paying them to be a full-time no, slave that you some of them have a, a, a like a husband and wife relationship so there's no no money crossing hands. but then there oh. are some where it's paid as well so yeah it's a really complicated how much money have you got, David, that you can have a live-in <laughs> gimp? Wait, what? what a question that is. <laughs> well, I was thinking, how could you afford them yeah, the other what, way around? But why are, you assuming, you... why are you assuming they're prostitutes? Well, um, <laughs> I guess I just don't understand it very much. <laughs> so, yeah, I did this for a few years and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so everything since looks tame. Well, this kind, of, yeah. So basically, it, this ties in quite nicely, actually, with your <laughs> idea about what you wanted to talk about originally. Because one of the reasons that I left working in adult publishing was because, uh, back then it was pre-internet. That's mm. how old I am, and um, the the internet was around, but it was it hadn't taken off, and it certainly, in terms of the adult entertainment, hadn't taken off, and that's what really yeah. killed it for the magazines. It's because you can just get free porn online easily. So so I knew I had to get out. And um, as much as I enjoyed writing about weird shit, and I even once visited a a, um, a zombie porn film set and I got to be an extra. That was (laughs) wow. What was it called? It was called... uh, Oh, man, what was it called? 
I'll dig it out. It's in my mum's shed. Night of the Living they, Head. That's that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the, the slowest sex scenes ever. <laughs> oh, those were the days. You know, I do look back and think that was probably my best job. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, uh, I knew I had to get out of working for Penthouse because I knew that the days were numbered and I want, you know, I couldn't do that forever. And our our publishing company also owned a magazine called Women's Fitness. Mm. So I started doing bits for them. But the editor, Chris, who Chris McDonald, oh yeah, she was chatting to a guy called Nick Troop, who used to be the publisher of Runners World, about setting up a new magazine. And she knew I wanted to leave, and she approached me about getting a job at. Um, women's running we hadn't they hadn't launched men's running at this point yeah mm. and um, I lied <laughs> and said that I was really into running and really good at it because I'm <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never run a step in my life at this point so I met with Nick Troop and was like yeah yeah I love running you've got to give me the online editor job well there and- no follow-up questions from that was it right <laughs> where two questions can you can you edit yeah do you like running yeah but you say, right. are you a but, woman yeah but you say you say that david but that that, t- that does tend to be how it works doesn't it you you tend to hire <laughs> no no but you 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 tend to hire people their bit their ability to edit a magazine and to uh, contribute it and then like i think runners world has had quite a few editors who who weren't into running until they became editors you know not not just um Run as well, but other other magazines that they yeah. they hire someone who's a good editor and then they get into running. Yeah, yeah, but I did definitely I did lie, but they had faith, and I guess Penthouse Forum, even though it was a grot mag, it was still you know he still operates the same as any other publication. But the key thing is they employed me as online editor, and I didn't know shit about the digital world at this point but nobody else did so it's fine <laughs> no that's it none of none of the print publishers did so it was all right no one had any yeah. idea what online meant so they're just like yeah. yeah do whatever yeah so i launched the um women's running and men's running online platforms and basically for about six months i had fake conversations with myself on <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, pretending to be runners asking stupid questions <laughs> oh no yeah, but I gradually managed to build up a following because it was kind of you know it was around the boom anyway so yeah. it wasn't the most impossible task but there were what year were we talking about um this now would have probably been about eight eight or nine years ago now okay because yeah women's running women's running went boom didn't it it was yeah. um that was like properly catching on a um uh, a need for yeah for that type of magazine at that time. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't anything like it at the time, specifically for women. And also, I think it timed really well with the recession because, you know, everybody wanted to get fit for free, so. And so when you said you were you were messaging in the questions, is that because there just wasn't that, well, the consumer you, wasn't ready? I was, I was, well, no, you know, to build a following, you have to have some followers. So I just set mm. up a load of fake accounts. <laughs> To try and get ah, okay so yeah i was having i was like loads of fake i can't believe uh sorry women's and men's running <laughs> 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 stupid, 
this was the early days. Since then, they've got all 100% real followers. <laughs> yeah, just Allegedly. To, yeah. <laughs> just to like garner conversation and on the forums and stuff, had lots of fake conversations as well. But it worked, you know, it got people talking pretty quick. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and um, and so when you when you first came in then, was there, a, did, was, was it a case of recycling the articles that were being written in the in print or was there a, a different strategy for creating content at the time when I started uh, I was only a team of one so I didn't have very many resources to create that much so it was a real mixture of shoving stuff from um from the magazine online and then doing a few of the bits myself and obviously everything I wrote was you know, tinged with filth. Filth. <laughs> maybe sarcasm. Maybe not. Maybe it seeped in a little bit. It definitely does now. <laughs> uh, did you, when you took the job, then did you instantly think I'm going to have to start running, or were you just I'm yeah. going to have to start? Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I did. Uh, I, I had to practice what I was preaching, and then I. It was all a bit sort of soppy from here on in if you could just imagine a slow-mo montage you've all been there <laughs> you discover running and you run off into the sunset <laughs> so you did actually love it then oh no like like most people it took me a while and I, I was really shit at it and then because I really love writing for beginner community that's my absolute favorite still mm. now like nine years later so I've made sure just to make sure that I continue to cater for that market that I'm still really shit at running so that I can <laughs> it's a ser- it's your service to the community yeah I'm very selfless You're keeping it real essentially yeah, exactly. and what I also do is I try I purposefully stop running and spend a few months getting pissed every now and again so that then I have to take up running again and I feel like a beginner so I can write relatable articles. <laughs> <laughs> All part of the plan. <laughs> so that's You're a do bad or huh? Yeah, no, so, so, it, like, so in, a, in, a, in a role like that where you, you, you've, you've pretty much got um, sort of uh, carte blanche to, to, to do what you want. So that must obviously like, give you a, an option of uh, picking and choosing races. I imagine like for, for, for women's running, you're being offered all sorts of races. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've never wanted to be a massive blagger because I'm, you know, it's a bit cringy to be to be too much of a blagger. I've still yes, got... Yes, David, it is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll and, learn that lesson one day. Yeah. And, you know, there's only so much kit you need and only so many races you need to enter. And, you know, I, I always wanted to be cool. So I try not to be, to take advantage too much. So I've still got the same kit I've been wearing for years. And, um... Um, yeah, obviously, when an amazing opportunity comes along with a really cool race, I'd go for it. But um, you know, I have to make sure that it's symbiotic so I can give them some good coverage as well. And, and how have you, kind of during that time, what was, how did you see the transition between, I guess, the business pressures and the, the numbers of readers and the actual strategy for someone like uh, Women's Running to focus their attention to the online or, or keep it in print well I don't think they ever have really focused women's and men's running certainly haven't really focused on online mm. in 
you know that they use definitely use social media tools to speak to the public but at that point we were selling a lot of our subscriptions through the websites that was useful Mm. and um it, it does contribute to building a community which i think for women's running certainly was really important but in terms of like business strategy I'm not sure if anyone's really got that one right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So it's, it, was, it was more to actually capture new customers and then drive them to the to the print essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the, the that's really interesting about the UK versus America because if because um, I I personally don't have time to to read many magazines so I never subscribe to them but yeah. also the the cost is. Does put me off a little bit. Whereas in the states, Kim getting Runners World, for example, emails each month saying get a year's supply for nine dollars ninety nine. I know it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and so at that kind of price, I think, well, why doesn't everyone who's a runner just pay ten dollars? And um, even if the content's not great, you know, for that price, it's fantastic. Even for toilet rolls, pretty good. (laughs) 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 And so um, then you've. um, You've obviously got the experience then working for the magazine and now head of uh, properly online with the running bug. And it's been really interesting, actually, since I've been here. So I've been at the running bug for a couple of years now. And um, before that, I wrote for I was at Runners World for a couple of years and I've worked for London Marathon events. And so I've done sort of been around the block bit of a uh, running slag and were, you, were you finding with runners world that it was the same problem that they faced that they their, their focus is 100% on the publishing and the mm. website was an add-on which is you know fine but yeah since I've been at the running bug I've I've changed everything and I've really noticed that my you know I had to because we measure analytics every single aspect Mm. um so you really start to tailor your content to what people read and Mm. so i've I've had to transform my running uh writing not my running (laughs) my running still shit um my writing style completely which has been quite eye-opening actually because ultimately online what people want to read is usually bollocks Yeah, I was going to say, what is there? Have you noticed any like particular trends? Like, is it surprising when you think, oh, I, I, I was writing. You know, there's certain stable of articles that um, oh, uh, yeah. run as well, men's yeah. running, women's running, that you always put out on a, on a regular basis, stable thing. And then when you go online, you're like, oh god, I never oh yeah, thought, I never thought it. So, so what? What? How would, you, how would you describe that? If I spent any time and put any any effort into writing like a well thought out, well researched article about something to do with I don't know tempo running or fartlek or whatever mm. for the book no no fucker reads it <laughs> if I do I'm not joking if I do why runners should drink more gin which, this is an actual article <laughs> we, we, it went viral and we got hundreds of thousands of reads like hundreds of thousands <laughs> and equally anything to do with why runners should eat cake and and do you think this is runners reading this or is it you're are you now going into a different audience who are people who are thinking i want to eat cake and i want to be fit do you think well i think 
the, the actual like core runner nerdy runners represents mm. maybe like one percent of the population and mm. you know something i really realized that the running bug is that there's a huge huge number of people that maybe they do park run you know maybe they do the odd race maybe they only run for half an hour a week mm. you know these are the people that listen to coldplay and read harry potter <laughs> 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 is that what your statistics that, are showing you? Is that the customer <laughs> profile? <laughs> like Dan Brown. And... <laughs> this is scathing. <laughs> By the way, can I just can I just interject here that um this this Saturday yeah. I have um I've been bought tickets from uh, my girlfriend's mother to watch a six hour Harry Potter play. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> See, you the norm, the, the general public. See, you're, <laughs> you're, combi- you're combining this with um, with uh, with BDSM. This is their form of torture <laughs> on you. This is brilliant. This is we're combining everything. Uh, but so my point is that yeah, most people aren't hardcore. Don't run several half marathons a year. They yeah. they are normal people who think like think that gifts of dogs falling over are hilarious and mm. like reading articles about gin and cake so you know you have to cater to if you're working online platform that needs the numbers you have to cater to what people want to read which is basically clickbait so which is told as trying sometimes yeah so it's been so it, the, the, so david um pulled up an article um a, a few uh, months ago a couple of months ago wasn't it where we talked about mm. the the 10 most popular articles shared online um yeah. and and you were, you, you, yeah and you were you were saying very specifically that oh, is this the future of um like running publishing you know because what was the top one it was basically bloke could run a half marathon where, was in it? a suit in a suit and that was it, <laughs> that was it. there was nothing <laughs> it, more but it went it obviously went massively viral it just did uh, probably just due to the imagery or something but yeah, yeah. We, i was we were saying we were like you know is this because what they're chasing stuff like that so to, for you to now say yes we are very you know people are very specifically chasing virality as a as, as like a key metric for that um, yeah. that's really interesting well you have to think about how people consume media these days because it's changed mm. a lot so basically certainly at the running bug i think it's 80 maybe more than that percent of our readers read everything on their phone mm. and where are they reading it it's when you're sitting on the bog <laughs> it's when you're on the <laughs> Mm. when you're waiting for your wife to try something on you know it's like little snippets of time in real life and so you just see something you think it's funny and you read it you know no one sits down and spends time reading a well thought out article on their phone it's when they're on the shitter and they're like wasting 20 minutes minutes. david your future in journalism is assured (laughs) well i mean the the good thing is it's been written shitter journalism Just shitter to shitter. <laughs> yeah. So you have to dumb down and write shitter shitter. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Well, maybe maybe that explains the popularity of this podcast as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we're talking about dumbing down. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, but do you think, um, so do you think it's the same people that were reading the magazines are the no. ones who changed their preference? Or do you think it's now... Like, are the numbers growing? Are you are you going? Is it a different audience that are engaging? Or yeah, I think so. There's, a, I mean, 
health and wellness is a huge industry now and mm. people are, are although obesity is on the rise also people are you know it's very fashionable to to be obsessive about looking after yourself and so yeah certainly we are starting to appeal to a much wider audience and um yeah so the downside is they didn't give a shit about you know um like fart legs <laughs> But they uh, they are interested in quick fixes and, um, you know, diet tricks and weight loss and... Um, hacks. They love hacks. Hacks. Yeah, hacks. God, I hate that word. Cheating at, cheating at fitness, yeah. Which, um, when I started out in magazines, everyone mm. always used to complain that every season, especially with the health and fitness and wellness magazines, that they write the same old shit. Mm. and that's because it's not that complicated really you yeah know, you just eat vegetables <laughs> <laughs> try not to eat too much rubbish and go do some exercise there you go <laughs> but um yeah so that if you've got to write that over and over and over and over again every month for the, till the end of time you have to jazz it up a bit have you have you discovered uh, working at the robot have you discovered anything unusual um, uh, that you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have discovered, say, working on any of the other magazines. Anything that's come out that you know preferences people have, or uh, things that they find particularly interesting that you just thought that's odd. Goats. Pardon? Goats. Goats. <laughs> baby goats. Yeah. You just can't lose with baby goats. Really? Yeah. yeah. I knew that those goats that when they get scared they fall over as if they're dead. Yeah. Maybe they went so viral that they've averaged up all goat content. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. People like, people like animals more than they like humans, definitely. But so you'd say even for writing content from a running magazine, <laughs> baby goats is the way to go. Push out a picture of a baby animal falling over or, you know, barking or whatever gets way 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 more traffic than anything i write about and i think the, the it probably is quite telling that people are interested in fitness and obviously most people who subscribe to our channels are going to be interested in running but more importantly people go online to have a bit of a laugh and you know if you want to get the numbers and you want to cater to people and make them happy you have to give them baby goats Give them what they ask for, baby goats. That's amazing. I guess it's a change of, as as you say, it's a change of how you you engage in your content. Because if you previously picked up a magazine, it's because you're in the mindset of, I want to read about running or learn about running. Whereas now, I guess a lot of the people that see your content is through social media channels. And so you're trying to fight for their attention with running content or or any content, in fact, against all other content out there. Um, Yeah. And the idea is once we put them in with the baby goats, then we drip feed them the um, fascinating running content. But, you know, it doesn't always work like that. So if we do, if we did a race, the baby goats race, (laughs) it would be one of the biggest races. (laughs) Yeah. And then we've got, and then we've got their email address, and that's it. Stick on some rubber gimp suits, and you know, you widen your horizons. <laughs> <We> just... 
so now now that you kind of know i mean you've got the supposed topics that people tend to click on i mean how do you then go about deciding what you're going to write how do, how do you plan your month given that most content now is old content yeah well it's like the running calendar is seasonal so yeah it's very seasonal and every year you know we try to put a positive or um an original spin on things but the fact is every year at this time everyone's running like mad right now and marathon crazy because london's coming up so you know full speed ahead on that and yeah every year it's the same and we we hope to pick up new people all the time and obviously once it you know once people have been been through their first beginner process but the good thing is like I said earlier about how I deliberately quit running every now and again and take it up and feel like a beginner this this happens for anybody's running life you yeah, it only takes a bit of injury or a bit of time off or a few months or a year for you to feel like you're back at square one and you have to relearn everything. So that's one of the nice things, actually, I think, as long as you – sometimes I feel when I have to start again, oh, shit, I've lost all my fitness, I don't know what I'm doing. But then mm. it's nice because it's like you get to start all over again and, you know, you can be a beginner again. So you can keep – we, as um, uh, as a media platform, can – catered to those beginners who aren't really beginners if that makes sense yeah absolutely so in terms of like um like getting out and doing races and everything did you did you ever as you were when you sort of started out did you have an idea or did races emerge that you knew that you wanted to do and you thought all right i've got my eye on those in the future um and have you done all of those races that you that you wanted to do um yes (laughs) so what were those races so um well I always uh, I had this I the moment I first heard the term ultra runner it really appealed to me because I'm a bit of a rebel and I like the idea of doing something that was a bit different but also I really like the idea of doing something where it was socially acceptable to stop and have tea breaks without anyone thinking you're a weirdo <laughs> so I was immediately taken by the whole ultra scene so I, I heard about this race called the Highland Fling which I wanted to do for a long time and I eventually got there so that was a biggie and, and what was what's the Highland Fling that's a 53 mile race um in Scotland along one half of the West Highland Way so I'm assuming it's quite a bit of climbing as well and is it horrific yeah. wet weather or actually it was not too bad the weather but yeah, so that was a biggie. But also, there was this race called the Transylvanian Bear Race, which I really wanted to do. <laughs> which, uh, I heard about through a friend. Actually, it was Susie Chan. Yeah. A running hero, who everyone knows. Yeah. She met a guy called Ben DeRivers. I think she met him, you know, in the way that they did, probably like in a tent in the Sahara or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this guy called Ben, who also does an event called Brecker Swim Run. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, it's meant to be pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's like really insane swims and runs in really remote places. Um, So it's really intense stuff. But yeah, he was also putting on this race called the Transylvanian Bear Race. Mm. And um, I, I heard about this and I really wanted to do it. 
so I pitched it to Runners World and managed to go. And that was probably the best race I've ever done, but not for the reasons that you would expect. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> well, <laughs> so Transylvania, which is in Romania, um, mm. the forest where the race takes place is still populated by wild bears. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So you, you you literally run through the forest, wild animals around, and luckily they keep slightly different hours to humans. So it wasn't like being chased by bears, but um, I swear to God, I don't know if this is because I'd been running for a few hours and I was tired, but I did hear roaring in the bush at one point. <laughs> and I've never all the all the literature on what to do when you come across a bear is like don't run because then they that they have the chase instinct but yeah that was definitely my fastest mile <laughs> and how how big are these bears are they grizzly kind of brown bears or? brown bears so they're not massive but, mm. you know i'm only like five foot three so like they could definitely eat me <laughs> yeah and has anyone ever run into one of the bears during the race do you know yes oh so, and what happened? The, or do the, we not know? The, 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 the bears are more scared of humans, so they buggered off, so it was, it was fine. It was fine. Okay. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I think adds, my friend... I'll oh, go ahead. It adds definitely adds some drama to race day if you've got the fear of death. I, I, I love that. Just chuck a bear onto the uh, Brighton Marathon course and see what happens. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That'll get you running. Yeah. Yeah, I think my um, Ali, who I shared, um, Ali King, who I shared tents with at the Marathon de Sable, I think he did the first couple of years. He, he won it the first year. Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. that's I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. And then we got absolutely twatted afterwards. It was brilliant. <laughs> well, that's, it's made my list because he said such good things about it. And I think it's um, he was saying it, it's quite a lot of ascent. It's UTMB style ascent, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, they're really runnable trails because they're set up by these um bears <laughs> uh, vampires uh no, cyclists oh. <laughs> it, they're quite runnable trails and it it was really it's really lovely but i actually I, I i so the first year i did it mm. and i wrote about it for a reservoir and had it absolutely loved it but um ben who sets up the race he's um got a military background and he's quite laid back about route mapping (laughs) (laughs) and um it was a good 10k longer than a marathon which is fine but if you're in the middle of the forest and you've got no um signal and you don't know where you are and you're worried Mm. about that 10k is quite a long way (laughs) Mm. it was quite scary but, oh, so you you you'd, you got lost by 10k, or the race was actually 10k further on the route than. And I was like, "Am I lost? No, keep going." <laughs> also, if you're if you're planning a sprint finish or something, 10k is a long way. Really <laughs> <laughs> <It's a> long <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've run into a stadium before thinking it's a finish and had an extra 300 meters, and that's almost killed me. Yeah, let alone 10k ticket to end. And is it um? Does it then? Is there a party at the end, or do they embrace any of the Dracula? Because that's where Dracula's from, I believe. Yeah. So it, it ends in this village called um, oh shit, 
I was going to say Zakopane, but that's Poland. It ends in a village whose name I've forgotten, but I'll find out. And um, which is really beautiful, like a little quaint town, which really looks like something out of Dracula. And then, um, yeah, they basically feed you red wine and and they have like local Romanian musicians and got us absolutely hammered. So it was really fun. But the following year I did it was was fun in a different kind of way. Because um, basically it was my first ever DNF. First yeah. of all, DNF actually was um, I woke up on race day having like persuaded a load of friends to come out and run the race because I've been wanging on about how amazing it was the year before and I woke up with a really bad cold proper snotty head cold and um I started running and quickly after about an hour realized in the woods in the you know it was really tough so I, I thought okay I'm gonna have to drop out I'm too ill to do to finish this so I was like okay I'll find the checkpoint but um because it's quite a laid-back race the checkpoint wasn't for another hour and I finally got there and it was a couple of girls sitting on a log with some crisps and a bottle of water. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can you please take me back to the race start? And they were like, oh yeah, sure. Walk down that hill. So um, I walked down the hill. Um, I was feeling really ill, so I was a bit delirious and it was quite a hot day actually. And um, I, um, I came a- across... Um, a, a, this little woman came out of her house and I thought that she was maybe something because I asked them to try and forget me she was something to do with the race but it turns out she wasn't and this little Romanian lady who didn't speak a word of English took me into her home and she locked the door <laughs> and she put me to bed and then she started feeding me this strange hot broth <laughs> what? She herself up against the bed and sat and watched me sleep it's <laughs> <laughs> shaking your head what yeah it was like a horror film oh my god <laughs> are, we, are you comforted by this or are you i was imagine if you're in you don't know where you are you're in transylvania in a woman's house <laughs> in my running gear and being watched while I pretend to sleep. That's <laughs> like, absolutely frightening. <laughs> I was convinced I was going to wake up with, you know... Without your liver. Without <laughs> your liver. Yeah, and this went on for quite a while. And um, so there was dodgy signal on my phone, but she dis- she went off after a couple of hours. I was pretending to sleep, so I managed to get through to Ben and said, can, can you help me? Um, I need someone to come <laughs> so he was like okay f- fine we'll, we'll come and get you and then um, and another hour passed and then the guy showed up thank god because I thought I was going to die in full traditional Romanian garb and it turns out that Prince Charles owns a house in Transylvania and that day he was going for a walk in the woods and when he goes for a walk in the woods He'll need, he, he insists, or they insist, someone insists, that he's accompanied by a tradition, a Romanian in traditional garb. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, did, how did Prince Charles's garb guy then get to you? How did? I, I think the, I don't, I think the woman had said, "Can you?" I think everyone knows each other there. Had said, "Can you take her back?" But yeah. Because no one spoke any English, it was really hard for me to understand. 
So finally, he came and got me. So I've been in this house for several hours by this point. So he, this this dude in this strange outfit, I was like, have I stepped into another dimension? <laughs> <laughs> actually dead. <laughs> You're probably married by this stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so luckily, he drove me back to the village. Sigiswara, that's what it's called. Sigiswara. Oh, Sigiswara, yeah. He drove me back to Sigiswara. And he dropped me off in front of the finish line, and I crossed the finish line at the same time as all of the run loads of runners, <laughs> and everyone was cheering for me. And I was like, "No, no, no, no! I've been, I have been through a marathon of sorts, just not the kind, not the same kind as you lot." <laughs> you should have claimed it. I, I think you went through enough. Yeah, I deserve did. a medal of sorts. Yeah, I did think I might die that day. So with now, I mean, you're talking about races like that and and a lot of, I think, good race journalism or good, good running journalism is talking about races or reviews. And are they going to exist in the future, do you think? Um, yeah, this is something I I'm, I'm, I'm struggle with, actually, because I don't know. I haven't written a race review for a while, but if I ever I do, I very rarely talk about running and usually just tell a story because... I'm fairly sure people are bored shitless of reading about yeah. races now. But there, it's never going to stop being important to read about an event if you're a beginner and you want to know. But I do think that there's, they do get a bit dry. <laughs> so, will it exist still? I don't know. But I, th- I think that is, that's down to the journalists, though, I'd say. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we've all written some fairly bland articles in the past, but... Yeah. If you don't go into it with a, a thread or some kind of theme that you, you're trying to bring out, then, yeah, it's going to be a tough read. Well, um, almost, almost the story that you've just told there is a more interesting story than whatever your race report would have been, yeah. which, is, which gives a much greater flavour for that event than yeah. saying, oh, when I got to 10 miles, I was breathing heavily, and which yeah. you know, a lot of race reports are like... I I get very I don't know if it's because I've been in the industry for a long time and I've edited and read an awful lot of race reports so maybe I'm jaded and mm. you know people there are benefits to finding out about an event before you do it so but personally I would like to read something a little bit jazzier sure yeah and and how do, have you found blogs and things coming into this because now I mean we, we talked about Susie Chan a lot of people are saying there's no money in running, but then actually there are now individuals who, through blogging, are making a living, which almost is a seems like a contradiction. Well, they might. I think there might be about two. <laughs> That's true. I don't yeah. think there's a lot of people making a living at blogging. Um, it's a tricky one. I think it, the formation of blogging came from like a really pure, joyful place, which was people just mm. so desperate to talk and share their stories and you know build communities that they just wrote whatever was on their mind and Mm. now that it's become you know people are making money out of it um I think the problem is if you're writing about you know for the joy of it (laughs) then that's brilliant but it's if you're giving wellness and health and medical advice and you're not a trained professional that's where we get problems 
And, you know, there's a lot of problems these days with fake news anyway, but with a lot of bloggers giving out, I don't know, I feel I, I, I've got lots of friends who are bloggers and they're really lovely, so I don't want to disrespect them. But, <laughs> but they don't know a word they're talking about. <laughs> but I, I would really, I, I really would hope that people would steer clear of giving out too much advice if you're not. You know, the, the, the industry, the health and fitness industry does need to be regulated mm. in some way, and it isn't. And there's so much dodgy advice out there. And the problem is, is there isn't a one-fits-all piece of advice on health. Mm. There isn't one-fits-all information on medicine, and there isn't for running as well. So, you know, if you've got bloggers out there giving endless advice and it's all wildly inaccurate, and potentially harmful, you know, you've got problems. Isn't there a, uh, there's an online publication that does something like that, um, who's renowned for that, isn't there, David? Oh, boy. I mean, what's, what's that, the name of it? I can't remember. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's really interesting you say that, Riley, because, um, I mean, we've, in the last few weeks, in fact, the reason why we talk about Real Buzz so often is because they are so consistent in, in how ill-informed or how badly written their stuff is so um the and and, and obviously you probably can't comment on this because you're probably worried about your legalities and also it is your your job and you're in the industry but um i mean as, as you say the, the trouble is that with a lot of bloggers they don't have the expertise and yeah. and therefore are putting out content that could be damaging to to others um but i find with um, with certain websites who may already be mentioned, that exactly the same. They, because they're looking more for um, the articles where it's just seven things you should be, seven things you shouldn't be. Yeah. They they don't really have the expertise themselves, and they're also they're essentially just um, summarizing lots of different other articles they've found. But because they're not necessarily professionals in medicine or experts in statistics yeah the way they summarize the information is completely wrong in how it's presented and so they actually for one they've got an inconsistent voice where some of their content is from marathon runners of you know a very very high level giving very good advice that's in- incredibly well um tested ranging to they well for example um one of them is um five worst things to do after you run one of the on the list jump in a hot tub now <laughs> how many people do you know in the uk that are jumping in a hot tub after their run and i mean it's and the five worst things you could do or they'll run for example an article five health facts you want to hear yeah and one of the facts is there are no quick fixes then the next week their articles are five quick workout fixes that maximize results, five quick tricks to make you a better runner, and three incredibly easy math and tricks that work. Yeah. And, and so um, I, I, th- I think as well, even online, the, there isn't that level of uh, expertise anymore. No, I agree. And I think certainly at The Running Bug, this is something that you know we do occasionally contradict ourselves. But I think as editors, it's our, my duty to employ trained journalists mm. who, who cite experts for any kind of expert information that's included in your articles. 
And, um, you know, that's it's it, for anyone that studied journalism, it's not difficult, but that's that's a, yeah, that is one of the problems that the industry faces basically because there's no not enough money in it because people mm. get get you know access to the internet for free and nobody wants to pay for what they read so no one's got the budget to pay for good writers so mm. it's a it's a difficult mix but um it's not impossible but then doesn't it so like one of the things then which actually ties into what david was saying about the the rise of influencers and um your job as well to like create a community is that it then becomes more of a a, a thing about it's helping motivate people motivation yeah. is the a key key part of it and building that community whereas you know people wouldn't necessarily join a running club or you know would find that quite um quite daunting that they actually yeah. have an online community that they all sort of identify with each other and spur each other on is that is it, how do you how, how do you balance that between creating that community and, and doing the motivational thing and then providing the uh you know the advice that they expect what um, and do they want that sort of mix um let me think about this the whole influencer thing kind of baffles me really mm. because i think it's a bit well you know it's all about money isn't it yeah yeah well i, I think we, in reality if you're an influencer on twitter or on instagram the only way to to really be an influencer on those things is by specifically focusing on becoming an influencer on those things. Yeah. Unless you happen to be someone who is um, the best runner in the world. Like, yeah. yeah, sure. Mo Farah could be an influencer on Instagram by just putting up two pictures, but everyone else genuinely to, to get that kind of following either has to already have the profile so that people come to them or they have to specifically create content to, um, yeah bring people to follow them yeah i think certainly you know i've got a few friends who are influencers who you know they really do motivate people to run and they are and they are an inspirational but on the whole i don't think well, i think the model works mm, not i mean it depends what motivates you really like personally i i couldn't sell something like what what do, what do you find motivating <laughs> <laughs> this is leading so i'm leading you into something here <laughs> and you can say and you can say and you can see it coming as well <laughs> adventure adventure i don't know this is lots of different things but yeah i mean the community does really help definitely if you didn't have people to chat to and make jokes with and share goat memes with every day we might <laughs> did you did you get out <laughs> Do you know what I remember? I remember following um, your you running your first ultra at the at the um, at the Highland Fling. I remember following that. Another race I remember following as we're talking about um, uh, motivation and influences. The another race that I, I followed that um, someone was doing was when Susie Chan ran her first hundred miles. Yeah, you provided some uh, some motivation on that, didn't you? Yeah. What what what, what, what sort what sort of thing did you do to motivate her? I I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, you got me. I sent her pictures of my tits. 
Oh my God. Was this halfway through the race? Can I just say? Or in training? These were private text messages, not in a public forum. <laughs> I just love that you posted on Twitter. Just... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what was it? When, how, did she, how, how did it work? When, at what points did she earn the picks? When she got to certain mileage, and then when she got to, I think it was 60, and when she got to 70 miles, I sent her, I promised her I'd send her a picture of my ginger beaver. <laughs> <laughs> so I sent her a picture of a a ginger beef. <laughs> the point is that when you when you're doing an ultra and you get to really high mileage, you start going a little bit crazy. You need humour to keep you going. So mm. I have a few friends that when we get to a certain point in a race, we send each other naked text messages. <laughs> Because it's funny. <laughs> what I love about this is that, you know, like when, on Nike Plus, like if you do like a really good time, like then Paula Radcliffe used to come on and go, oh, that was your best time. Well done. Or something <laughs> like that. I wonder if they could like build it into like garments and stuff like that. It's like when you, when you get to 80 miles, all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> if it's something that makes you smile and makes you laugh, then it's going to keep spur you on to keep going. Yeah. But I think you, we'd have to do it the, the the other way around, though. I think we'd have to have naked I pictures of each other on the phone. I don't want you sending me anything on a hundred miles, thanks. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was saying you, you'd 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 stop getting a picture of naked pictures from me when you get to fifty miles. <laughs> <laughs> get you there quicker. <laughs> you just constantly sending dick pics every hour until I, until I hit seventy five miles. <laughs> There's going to be something in there. Maybe we could make an app. Oh, David, if, if ever there was an opportunity for you to make an app, this is it. <laughs> oh, I've, I've got enough projects, enough <laughs> crazy ideas. But, so, um, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah. But so because, I mean, you know, it, I think it, at the moment, the, the way it's going, though, it, it almost seems as if because journalists aren't necessarily having the time or the inclination to to really be able to invest in these longer articles, I think it's almost going to have to come down to bloggers who've got that passion to be able to take the time to actually do the research and pull things together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why the quality of the content that you read these days might not be as amazing as the stuff that I write. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's room for, um, there's definitely room for all sorts and do you think? Do you think also the because we we loved the article in Runners World about cheating at Park Park Run. We thought yeah. we, we thought it was really interesting. We thought it you know had a nice take on it, and um, we liked the reaction as well. Loved yeah. that. We loved the reaction. Yeah. Actually, and, this has got me thinking. I think one of the things that that's the one of the problems I see in the running industry is that. So say elite runners, professional runners represent 0.01 of the population. Yeah. You mm. know, I wonder at club runners, 1%, you know, a very small minority of the population are actually any good at running. And yet people take it very seriously. And this is the problem, you know, they, 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 I think with that article, certainly, they, they, it, it was taken really seriously and it's like well none of you fuckers are gonna win any marathons anytime soon so relax if you're not enjoying it what is the point in doing it it's just a laugh so who cares if somebody does 
you know, write an interesting article about cheating and has a laugh. It's, it's, he was, you know, never going to make any win any medals anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that was the... that's not a race that as well. <laughs> also, I don't know if you saw the article today about the guy from the Cambridge Half Marathon. Who, yes. Yeah. So he. What happened? He, this guy, he was only a kid. He was like twenty-four. Yeah. He he ran under his mate's name and then won it and had to fess up. <laughs> awesome. It, yeah, and he admitted it straight away. And everyone on social media today was like, what fool, ridiculous, doesn't he know the rules? And I was like, oh, God's sake. For a start, he is living his best life. Imagine you're 24, yeah. you didn't give a fuck. You're so fast, you can just run a race <laughs> laugh about doing training and win it and be like, yeah. oh, me. I just think, God, stop taking it seriously. Relax. It's just fun. You know, it's amateur running. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the I mean the reality is the guy who beat you beat you. Yeah. The guy who ran ran. Yeah. You know, the money was yeah. paid for. He didn't cheat. He didn't cheat. He just it was a it was a technicality. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's and into him online, it's like he's just a young kid. He's just happens to be a lot better running than everyone else. Yeah. So, and do you think this? Do you think the feed, constant feedback, or do you think the power of the few is actually changing as well? Content is it making people? Because I'm sure Runners World will probably have a think about articles like that in the future, and, and probably change what they're going to write because they don't want to offend people, or they don't want to up, uh, you know, nah, create any up. Doubt it. <laughs> they're all right. They're a lovely bunch of guys. And they all have a sense of humour, and. Um... I no, but I don't think that's the the problem. I, they absolutely do. But I think if you if you know if you're going to say anything slightly controversial, yeah. that actually the the shitstorm created by it yeah, and then the knock effect. It's only but it's only a shitstorm by like club runners, isn't it? Really, it, well, it's park and then, and I'm not just... going to wade in and start a war here because I absolutely love parkrun. I think it's yeah. the best thing in the whole world ever. But they do love to get pissed off about stuff. <laughs> oh yeah we know <laughs> yeah and it's i mean it's because we we raced yesterday under different people's names i have no idea who they were um we were going to skip half the course because we were running late and we wanted to get to to see you know go to go to lunch with someone and all of these things i was thinking actually if this was taken out of context by the wrong person there might be absolute uproar in what we're doing but yeah. in in reality we're just trying to do a run and enjoy it, yeah. but they fit it in with our life. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you if you take a break from running to go and get massaged by a Transylvanian lady in a hut. <laughs> They're now part of the course. <laughs> yeah. And then sneak off and then claim victory at the end. It's, it the, v- it's the VIP experience now. You pay extra <laughs> for that. What matters is that you're in, you know, it, okay, maybe I want to know what her story is. Yeah, I need to go back and thank her. But yeah, if you're an elite runner, yeah, obviously no doping allowed, mm. and um, sort your shit out. But otherwise, relax. We're amateurs. We're doing it for fun, and the only person you're cheating is yourself anyway. So who cares? And I'm quite happy to cheat on myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But. I don't know what it is. It, it sounded right, though, didn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. Absolutely. It is, but, you know. So do, does that mean now that you um, 
did you is there a certain pressure that's gone where you'd have to feel um you'd have to do these big challenges and big races for content but now actually because that's no longer that interesting to people well no, I think it probably is still interesting if you're if you're a writer you couldn't make anything sound like fun anyway really if you're good enough at mm. no I think for me my personal reasons why I stopped doing really big races because <laughs> I um, met my boyfriend and he's a techno DJ and he doesn't give a shit about running <laughs> so <laughs> that's largely why I haven't been doing big races lately because I've been um raving instead <laughs> which is a good reason yeah, which is, you know, in in a sense, it's an endurance sport. Yeah, cross training, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I like the idea of being like going back to it. I still, you know, I did a half the other day, and I'm still. I like the idea of being an old lady ultra runner one day. That would be quite cool. And do do you think there is a, a, a do you think people would get annoyed when they find out that running journalists don't run as much as they do or don't get involved as much as, as they do or their bloggers are doing more? Or Do you ever get a backlash along, along those lines? Or Personally, no. No, I mean, there aren't very many of us. Mm. And I, I haven't received any backlash. I think in the blogging community, because I'm, I'm not a blogger, but in that community, I think there is, you know, occasionally they have inner disputes about, where they get free kit from or free this or that or whatever. I don't know. I I don't really have anything to do with it. But um, from my perspective, no, I think, you know, people are just happy to – running is such a, a brilliant thing and a lovely community, and I think people are just happy and to, you know, read good t- content about people having fun or, you know, running naked through the zoo or whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think there's a, uh, what were you saying? What did that, what, <laughs> what, what, there's, no, there's not deep-seated resentment amongst uh, certain individuals or, or certain elements, you know. Like. Deep, what do you mean? Deep, so it's... It... No, just because, um, because I, some bloggers I've, I've spoken to in the past, I'd say, were... Um, well, I, th- I think actually for a lot of bloggers, they their dream is to become the editor of Runners World or to become uh, the. So, do you think that are bloggers resentful of journalists? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I, I think there are there is an element of that in some that I've met. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Um, life sucks, and the success. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's, that goes back to what we were saying. That actually putting on, you know, being good at something doesn't necessarily yeah. mean you can edit a fucking magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or know how to handle freelancers or know what to write. Because the thing is, if you put someone that's interested in running in charge of a magazine, they're going to bore the shit out of the majority of people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that is, I mean, that's definitely true. If you're a blogger and you're wondering why you're not an editor of a magazine, maybe it's because you didn't go to journalism school or <laughs> didn't get lucky you know <laughs> maybe you're shit maybe. Or, <laughs> or, or maybe you've got other priorities in life and you know it, it, it there's only a few of us in the industry and it's really not that all it's cut out to be it's not the best paid industry in the world and frankly 
after a while, it does get really boring writing about one subject over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, That's the and, thing. You've, uh, done, you've done well, though. I mean, because when I was when I before I, I was a, um, a running journalist, I was uh, home entertainment and film, and yeah. being a, 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 like a entertainment film journalist killed my love of uh, watching films and watching TV and stuff. Like it destroyed it. By the end of it, I I didn't want to watch DVDs and things like that. Whereas, you know, it, I, I think having to do it again and again can can absolutely destroy it for you, especially if it's mm. part of part of your work. So. I think it, it sometimes people don't really think that, you know, if you had to do this as part of your work, and I, I imagine this happens to a lot of influencers as well, you know, they mm. might have lost the love of, of doing it because they know that they're trying to actually chase the cash um, yeah. or, you know, or, or, or your pursuit as a career. That actually, that there are some things that it, it's worth keeping as a hobby. You don't necessarily this have to make money. This is I can't watch porn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I can't, I can't, honestly, I'm just... I can't anything even remotely kinky, and I'm like, oh, show me some baby goats and kittens. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm interested in Debbie Does Dallas anymore? <laughs> but um, has the well, no, I, it it happen, It ha- does happen. The really nice thing about running is it's very seasonal, yeah. and I fall in and out of love with it all the time. And you know, I get injured or I you know get lazy or I go out raving too much and um and I have thus far managed to fall back in love with it again every time but can I maintain this keep this going forever I don't know I'm not sure but you know if I end up writing about something else in the future that's okay as long as I can pay my bills and have a laugh then nothing else really matters and 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 do do you find that every time you come back to running it is a different relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's always really nice because, um, like, for example, I did a half marathon last in Brighton last weekend and I hadn't run a race for a year. And mm. so I thought I'd forgotten everything and thought I was completely shit. And then when I stopped, and I didn't really train for it. <laughs> and then when I ran it and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you do remember and, and it's very empowering to know that I can even though I didn't do it particularly fast to know that I can run a half marathon without stopping and feel good at the end it's an incredible feeling and I mm. never lose that so um yeah so far I've I've continued to I mean yeah I, I'm I'm sure ask me again in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> and and do you think in you know 10 years time do you think there will still be men's running, runners' worlds, uh, still publications that are offline? Probably not. No, sorry, sorry, chaps. Um, yeah, the whole world is changing dramatically. Mm. You know, we're going to be reading our magazines off floating words in the ceiling soon, probably, or mm. <laughs> or like space lasers <laughs> just having them all read to us by brian blessed <laughs> yes <laughs> all the people are dumbing down you know it's clickbait soon people are going to stop writing articles at all and it's just going to be titles and do you think there will then be a push back to because there have i can't remember what i was you know, for example ebooks now actually 
shops like Waterstone are doing very well and the number of books is gets, being sold is going up. Do you think there is going to be a, a backlash to the inference community and the clickbait community where people are going to be more discernible, stop falling for the tricks and actually then just want well-written content? Or do you think it's going to be too late and, and those skills will almost be gone? No, I, I, I hope so. I, I'm... I'm a little part of me, my mum's a real hippie and I was raised without a television. Um, spent a lot of time in the woods as a child and now I've got this fantasy that I um, go off grid and I can't believe I've ended up as a digital journalist and spent my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and I secretly fantasize all the time about like running away from it all and going and living in a yurt mm. Mm -hmm. And taking the books with me, obviously. So, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. People, and I don't think people are ever going to tire of reading. And I, it, I, it's a fashion. It, it's fashion the way that things change. And I feel like we're only going to go so far before it veers the other way. And it's going to get to a point where, you know, even now people are becoming more aware of how toxic social media can be and addictive. Mm. And so I think, and I hope that it becomes a little bit more sort of grassroots back to the joy of the great outdoors and less about selling things and making money. And I think as well, the with the whole fake news and the rise of influencers who it's now becoming far more obvious that they are, uh, you know, very just commercially driven rather than your, your genuine buddy. I think there could be that pushback towards um, credible sources and towards... Yeah journalists who actually you know know what they're saying who have uh, have the experience and also professionals yeah I feel so torn about this one because I know some really lovely people who are, are trying to make a living and some who are successfully making a living out of it mm. they're really nice kind-hearted people but at the same time I just think you bunch of Tories <laughs> 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 you know where's the love if it's all about cashing in i don't know anyway i do well, i think there's that there is that balance of you know i i love i love what i do and i'm just trying to do what i love and this is the way in which i can can do that and yeah. so yeah if someone turned around to me and said we'll give you fifty thousand pounds you no longer have to work you just have to run and then do some tweets it'd be very attractive but it's unrealistic. That's the thing. That's the thing that people have been sold, and that that isn't. We, we I mm. remember when we were at the um, oh, was it Write This Run conference? I think you were there as well, Ralu. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like there were a bunch of bloggers there and everything, and they all. I mean, I, I can't remember how long ago that was, but they all wanted to know how to how to get free stuff. That was like the the, yeah. the main reason they were there. How do we get free? That's the one question I wanted answered. How do we get free stuff? by blogging the thing is, is it's not sustainable that lifestyle because the, mm. the, the whole influencer key influencer thing is the brands are attracted to them because they're hot and they're young and they're successful and you know it's that you can't you, you could make a quick buck for a few years but you can't mm. do it forever it's not it's not going to last so good for them if that's what they want to do in the short term but in terms of a long-term career strategy I want to see more scientists and doctors and nuclear physicists. 
In running. In running. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, we've gone off subject. That was just a, gen- a general call for more sciences. More sciences yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, have you, got any, um, have you got any races coming up then or anything to look forward to? Anything we can start following you in? Uh, do you know what? I deliberately haven't entered anything this year because too much raving yeah basically it's really hard to to you know it's not hard but it can be to have a relationship and a job and train really hard at the same time Mm. to juggle all of those things together my best running when I was at my fastest is when I was freelance and single so I could go out running at you know 11 a.m for three hours and no one would wonder where I was and now I come home and I want to spend time with my other half. And, yeah, it's difficult. So my priorities have shifted. But the good thing is once you've done a few races, you can never unrun a race. So mm. I know I've done them and I know I can again. So we'll see. So, and yeah. do, you think you, do you think you'll ever win him over <laughs> to the dark side? He's a tree surgeon. So he spends like 10 hours a day literally – Run, like jumping around trees and huffing great big lumps of wood around so he comes home and he's absolutely knackered and I'm like do you want to go for a run and he's like ah you <laughs> no so um I'm working on it lagged <laughs> <laughs> in some trainers <laughs> but he hasn't gone running in them <laughs> well well, uh, well thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast are there any any other um things you wanted to kind of bring up JD or kind of go into any other territories uh, do you know what we've gone into more territories than i ever thought we would <laughs> but then i somehow knew that we kind of would as well um so no no you've been brilliant it's been brilliant to have you on thank you i hope i haven't been too filthy no, no that's the start of the podcast to a certain extent anyway that's why we love you but um if people at home want to to follow you rather than just um the running buck you know to to read anything you do i mean what's the best way for them to get in touch uh, okay um i'm i'm very lucky because i've got an unusual name so i'm on twitter and instagram and my website it's all just rallo r-h-a-l-o-u so i'm in fact, that, yeah your your name will come up as um, yeah. in the podcast description but so even though i've been a pretty much running specific journalist for quite a long time now don't expect me to ever talk about running <laughs> <laughs> So if you want any further insights to uh, S&M or to uh, <laughs> various other sexual areas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> raving, techno, um, kinky sex. I'm your woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ron. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating in many, many different ways. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You. and next time you fancy doing a run let us know about it because we do plenty of fun ones that are all about the enjoyment and not just about the race and we'd oh, love to uh... have you done beerathon no i and oh, i remember God. when i met um david i said i would and i never did so. you need to it's, oh no not the beerathon the are we think beerathon or beer lovers well both you, I'd, I'd be happy with i'm drinking beer right now <laughs> i'd be happy with 
two of my greatest loves beer and running so oh so good well we'll message you about both uh, one's in may one's in august and um hopefully it's the kind of distance and the type of booze that your your boyfriend would enjoy as well so maybe it's a good <laughs> way to tempt him into putting those trainers on cool thank you my pleasure well thank you so much and um yeah stay in touch okay Bye. 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 Ooh. That was unexpected. <laughs> it was it was like Icarus, wasn't it? You start <laughs> you start going down one route and it turns into something very, very different. Yeah, amazing. I mean I knew Riley was gonna be a good guest, but then to to start with that as an intro, um, and a route into running as well. A r- running journalism that what i like the idea of is her going to teach at a um at a sixth form college and people are like right how do i get into running journalism <laughs> <laughs> well this is what you're gonna do <laughs> yeah i think that's great it's great it's just it's so interesting it is it really is interesting like speaking to a um uh to like another journalist um mm. and like a sort of a you know that route into because you don't so many people come into journalism in so many different ways and mm. they are it is often unexpected but it does it really does help having like a wide uh like background um you know when you come into it because it it, it adds it certainly has added something to you know the things that she's done and uh her preparedness and you know it adds it adds a lot more color to yeah to, to something if you have someone just you know who's a, who's a sort of a plain uh, you know, uh, straightforward. You know, I'm a I'm a running journalist. I focus on running. I coach running, that sort of thing. And it needs it needs that. But I right. So that, right, there's so much to discuss about that. Yeah. Um, which one? I love the fact that basically she confirmed all of your worst fears about uh, <laughs> about what it is that drives um, uh, clicks and data and everything else. Um, yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a general that's a, you know that that's a general thing about journalism because journalism and marketing are almost the same thing now like you attract mm-hmm. someone's attention first and then build the relationship don't you and I think that's the same with like running bug and you know any you know most publications you've got a a shock or something in order to gain their attention and then once you gain their attention hold on to it you know and, and build a relationship with them I think that's mm. That's something mm. that 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 comes about a lot, but um, but yeah. So I mean, like, where the surprise uh, I felt that uh, you showed most surprise at was the the demographic. That yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not what I was expecting. Was it not? What what, what were you expecting? Well, I mean, it's it's I because. Because to to say that, and maybe it's the running bug, but even runners world and things like that, it's it's because when you go out and you you do runs, it's not just who you see at races and who you see at talks, but when you go for a jog, who you see out actually running. And because I work from home, you know, I do run at all hours. It's not just that I'm running after work. Yeah. When um, you know, at a club with mostly guys. I, I genuinely see mostly males in their late 20s to, to early 40s. Yeah. I think, and that, that strikes me as by far the biggest running de- demographic. No, no. I think you are in such a small – oh, well, I say you. I mean, you're in a really small subset, but we're in a small subset. 
of of of, of you know I, I, it, that's the main thing to that I think surprises people um, mm. who are runners is how little other uh, what's it called the sort of more popular runners know like the you, you think everyone knows about um you know like basics like tempo and uh you know different ways of breaking down training plans and things like that and that there's just there's not that knowledge there which is and and that's that's why runner's world exists that's why yeah. like things like that exist when we say oh you know the the, the content is recycled you know every what eight months or whatever you could you could only write about certain things but you know so the, and i think the, you know the majority of people who come into that world who come into the running world for the first time i think the you know the natural assumption is they come into it they like well the natural assumption i think a lot of people make is they come into it they read something like runners world they develop expertise and then they go on to like better things but i don't think the majority of people do that i think mm. they come into it they look at runners world for a few months they go okay i'm not doing all that stuff i'm not joining a club. <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to follow a training plan i'm just going to carry on running with my friends or, or whenever whenever i like um, and actually, I'm not going to. I'm not going to take this too seriously. But it's it's you know I'm just going to do it as and when. Um, I don't think it's a natural progression. The majority of people who co- who do that for them to then become like serious runners on a yeah. sort of sliding scale. I think I think the way that Rallo was talking about it, and, and to some extent the the way that I, you know almost like the way um, I think I I would be if I if I didn't have um, like constant things to motivate would be. Yeah, you do running for a bit, then you check out of it for a while, and you have other things to do, and then you come back to running again, and you have that like love hate relationship with it. Not all, just that indifferent relationship with it every now and then, and then you rediscover it, and you fall in love with it again, and you do it for a few months, and you're know, around a race, and then summer comes around, you go on holiday, you don't bother. I think, I think, that, I think that's the that's the reality for the majority of people. Yeah, and I think partly it is the stage of life because when you have a family you've really got to be committed to actually run at all. Yeah. Whereas before that, um, it's quite interesting seeing, because I, you know, I even though I'm 40 this month, I still... What? I You're know. 40 this month? I know. Oh, my Whoa. goodness. And I'm quite excited. Get to be, um, get to do the vet races. But, um, yeah, I... I hang out with people probably the age of 26 upwards and i it does seem that over the last five years everything everyone's relationship with challenges is that probably the best word to use is changing and i don't know whether that's been driven by a tough modification or facebook selfies um or the move to outdoors, but probably a whole combination of these things. And so I think a lot of the people that I know now, um, they their relationship with exercise or the relationship with running is determined by the next event on their calendar, which is determined by their social group. Yeah. And so suddenly there's the Faroe Islands ultra that's happening and a few of us are doing that and so suddenly people are thinking ahead of that and they're going to start training for it and they'll actually do a little bit more running than they would or um and it seems to be so much more about um almost i and, and maybe i'm i'm wrong in this because of the, the people i hang out with tend to be from 
groups anyway uh, things like project awesome or the yes tribe or um, midnight runners but they tend to be influenced a lot more by activities that friends are doing rather than necessarily online communities or by magazines and, and even online articles they might they might be influenced and they see a cool race they read an article about something that sounds great they then tell their friends about it down the pub and suddenly they're all signing up to it but it does seem to be rolling from event to event and i think you get to a stage where most of your friends have got kids or they're moving out and you just don't have that group of people who are signing up to the next event and you just fall out of activities. I don't know. I think it hasn't it always been the case though that so I suppose it's different, isn't it? Like running's a much more a much more social thing, isn't it? Mm. Than it was. It used it is to be. Now, it yeah. used to be. Yeah. So like, it, and it's a way of actually people socialising with each other. So it's a good, like when I think about Libby and her friends, um, you know they. They, they get together to, to do like runs together so they can, mm. you know, uh, and that, and that takes a little bit of planning and everything, but they, you know, they won't, they won't be part of an online community or something, but they will mm. use either recommendations, things they've heard or online communities in order to find stuff or if they stumble across stuff. And, it, and, and it actually it's social media that has put those things in front of people that wouldn't otherwise, they wouldn't have yeah. otherwise seen. I mean, mm. but even but even saying that, like the majority of people in this country don't know what Tough Mudder is. Majority of people have no idea who Tough Mudder is. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Do okay. you th- I mean, the majority of people certainly don't know what MDS is. You think MDS is like the best known thing on the planet because we're surrounded by it. Oh all no, the time. I mean MDS. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've I've got no doubt people don't know about like, that. Tough so, Mudder, though. Yeah, Tough Mudder. The majority of people in this country will not know what Tough Mudder is. I'd say the majority of people under thirty do. I, no. No. I'd even say the vast majority of people under 30. No. No way. You're doing that because you're in that community. No, no. no I think way well, Tough Mudder has that much. No. Uh, the... But just looking at the, the number of people who've gone through it now and also the number of people who use Tough Mudder photos in Tinder as a Facebook profile. Um, it's it's just sound a lot more about you than it is about this population. that. <laughs> No, it's it's not. I, I mean, I'd never use those photos. Maybe I would actually, but um, just looking at other people's when you're flicking through. There's a. Well, I can't remember what the name of the law is. There's a law that you always um, uh, ascribe more prominence to something because of your proximity to it. Yeah. Um, and gravity. That's, yeah. That's no. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would. You know, I. It's difficult. I, I think if you know, if we had the dis- this discussion in a in a running group, um, then you know people would go, "Oh, that's that's utterly ridiculous." But I think you know, the majority the majority of people in this country don't. I mean, and that's the thing. And that's like the most is that the most famous one? That's the most famous like OCR thing, isn't it? Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that but comes- what? But what? What was really interesting? I thought about. But that's still. But that's still. I'm saying that's still nowhere near like London Marathon, like. If you want to talk about everyone, everyone knows what London Marathon is, almost. But that I think that's because it's been going for so long. Well, yeah, yeah well, that's part of it, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. What it, that's what it takes in order to get the pushers. Although, weirdly, when I got, like, the first time I run London Marathon, I got my hair cut in this uh, Cypriot hairdressers in mm. uh, Muswell Hill. 
And uh, he asked me what I was getting my hair cut for, and I said, oh, I just wanted it before the marathon. And he was going, what marathon? I'm like, L L London Marathon? He goes, oh, does London have a marathon? I'm like, and this is like <laughs> one of those shops that's been there like, for like 70 years that like yeah. the entire family have had. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it has. And he's going, <laughs> oh, right. What's your number? I'll look out for you. And I'm like, I, I don't think you're going to see me because there's like. You should have told me you're going to win it. <laughs> I'll come back with my medal when I've won it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did come back, and weirdly, he put he put a, pic, a photo of my head back on my head on the outside of the uh, of the shop, which is a bit weird. That's really that's quite a compliment. It is quite a compliment. He must have thought he gave me a very good cut. Do you think it's still there? Um. Weirdly, Where was it? Muswell Hill. Muswell Hill. Produced... Do badders, get out there and see if you but... can see the back of a beautiful man's head. Muswell Hill pro produced, like a few months later, Muswell Hill produced a poster about like the shops of Muswell Hill, and it had that shop on it with my picture on it. So my, <laughs> my back of my head has been immortalised in this promotional campaign for Muswell Hill forever. You need to get that poster in another picture. <laughs> so then. <laughs> Just yeah, becomes... it's just a never-ending like <laughs> prism. Or, or of... Carry it into a lift with uh, mirrors on both sides. <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah, that's one part about it. Um, so appealing to um, the whole point of me saying about the thing about the tough mother and stuff is that talking about races and talking about running and stuff won't initially attract people you know, the, the mass market to it. And that's sort of who you, who you have to appeal to online, um, which is probably, you know, which is why they have mm. to like always go for the sort of lowest, you know, what did she say? A picture of a baby goat, was it? <laughs> yeah, like, baby goats, apparently. Baby, baby goats, baby goats, and then try and like link that, link that through to running. But it's, you know, it's just, it's data-driven stuff. That's, that's it, isn't it? Um, but I think the worrying thing is that she, um, Riley kind of acknowledged that there's almost there is no space left like who are the experts because it's not going to be done by the magazines or the online um journalists and then in her view the vast majority of the bloggers aren't experts either but that's the only real um space for them to be um so unless you happen to have you know Matt Fitzgerald Robbie Britton, John Alban, writing their blogs because they they enjoy writing blogs. Um, then where are people actually going to get their their knowledge from? You know, where where are we going? How are we going to move things forward? Well, and, well, you, but then you think about like the big the the, the big running brands um the publishing brands and, and whether they're how they exist and stuff so you've got like running bug you've got runners world you've got um you know uh, women's running um you've got men's running despite the quality of some of their reporters and you know they they like but especially like runners world and um uh, like running bug they you know they have to appeal to who the mass market is and the mass market doesn't give a shit about those um those experts because the stuff that what you want in terms of your expert of the expert opinion it just doesn't appeal to enough people um i think i think it it does when it's linked into the right articles and linked in in the right way so i mean i i think people would be interested to know the preparation for marathons for example from some very good at those or 
the race day food, all these little things. And yeah, but, um, there, but there's different levels of it. There's different levels of superficiality, isn't it? There's a level of someone who is mm-hmm. doing the London Marathon the first time and wants to survive it, which is the majority of people running London Marathon. And yeah. then there's the the one person who's good for age who wants to knock, you know, seconds off their next time. And where is that that person who's what wants to learn how to you know knock seconds? Off their next time, they're not going to pick up Runner's World or go to Running Bug or something like that. Where are they, where are they going to get that information from? They're going to get that. Where they're going to, they're going to get a coach or they're going to get it from. Um, they're not going to read that somewhere, are they? Yeah, I guess it, it hasn't traditionally been there in the past. Although, in my view, it it was better informed previously. Um, but then, but then it was better informed because you know you had you had like paid journalists doing it. That's I mean that's the difference. Yeah. Isn't it? What what's happened is, um, and this you know seen it from inside and outside is that. You know, as as more so, the benefit is that you've got a, a greater range of views and greater greater range of abilities now because uh, publishing has been opened up, and especially something like, like the running bug. So you've got all these different. Um, I don't. Uh, th- I don't think a range of views is a good thing, though. No, no, so. no. I'm not. Right, but, I'm, but I'm just saying that this is what happened. Yeah. And so you get essentially what you know. It, what inside the journalism world we called citizen journalists, which I think was like slightly degrading. But you get <laughs> you get you, know, you get untrained untrained journalists um, yeah. contributing to the stuff. So which means that you know it obviously needs to be edited and it, it brings with it different challenges and everything. And um, but you, you know, but you have a wider range of things, and so that is that is beneficial because actually you can appeal to more demographic groups. You're more likely to have rather than three or four groups of people. Um, uh, of a certain um, uh, demographic in a magazine spout in their opinion actually you're likely to if you're a 45 year old woman who is morbidly obese and doing her first marathon you're likely to find someone within a community who's exactly the same who who actually understands it you know and some like 27 year old um, nutritionally switched on you know speed junkie is is never going to speak to you in that way so in a sense that you know that's that's been valuable but the thing is then because you have because of that and because of um you know uh you know the the, the revenue model and the fact it's all free is that where you know where does where do paid journalists fit into that where do pay, you know, mm. t- people have time for the research and everything and so i mean that's the same thing that, that's not just in running that's everywhere like paid you know and that, mm. that was happening yeah. you know when i when i was coming into journalism like you know almost like 20 years ago um that people were you know j- journalists were exiting because you know they were relying on you know people that weren't being paid and if people aren't being paid then you know there's not you, you can't hold them to certain standards as much as you yeah. want to try to so yeah. you don't have that you don't have that depth of your search you don't have that um depth of um uh you know you know citing sources or that rigor that goes with it and i'm not saying that journalists are particularly good at that or anything um, but i'm saying that's that's the ideal isn't it and well, so, I think I think they were good at that when they needed to be, and and when it was important to the piece, because they, well, there was a time when credibility was very important. So, for example, New York Times would definitely, even if they're online, would would research and know, no, exactly. But I'm yeah. saying, but I'm saying now, like for example, like mm. a race report. So, um, you know, it used to be a case that you know if you did a race report or something, you could you could get paid like very well for that as a you know a journalist, and they you know members of the team would go out to do that and everything. But you can get people doing like race reports for nothing. You can mm. get someone that's interested in running doing a race report for nothing um, because that's it. And really, the quality of it is you know, whatever happens. That the the fact that they're getting that for free is going to outweigh the quality. It has to be of a certain quality, and there has to be. There's also an associated cost with the amount of editing that's had to put in to to do that. Mm. But 
if you have someone of a of a you know, good enough standard writing those reports, you know you've 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 sliced away a load of costs there that you don't have to pay. So all those all those things that you know um, like freelance journalists and people within that were were getting paid for suddenly don't. I, you know I remember when um, when I was on I was I was leaving the the whole uh, journalism profession well before. Um, like a lot of this came in, but you saw you mm. saw it coming in. But you know, um, when you know when on magazines you see you're like an expert coming in, come into something, and then all of a sudden you know all the all the work would dry up because this expert was you know uh, paid a certain amount of money or whatever, or take up all the budget, and then all of a sudden you know the kit reviews that you were doing, um, the the race reports you were doing, the features that you were going to do and stuff like that. All of a sudden, there's no budget for those. You're like you know it's, mm. you could you could you could have kit in order to do the kit review. Yo, and you're like, well, that's not gonna. I'm gonna. I'll take. I'll take that to the bank fees to pay my mortgage. But I don't think they're going to accept um, this uh, A6 running top. For that it's really interesting that the the influencers are almost going trying to go the other way now. And I don't know if it's if it's going to work. Where you do have people who are trying to have a career by being an influencer by by creating content related to running or, or whatever the field may be, and um, I mean, it, it, the, the trouble is, as soon as you start actually breaking down the numbers, if you want a salary of 25 grand a year, you've got to be able to shift a lot of product. <laughs> you have got to be able to shift a lot of products. And you've got, you've got to be like, an, you've got to basically be a, uh, you know, an immense publisher of stuff. You've got to, mm. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think there's this like whole idea. Did we, yeah, this whole idea, like we were talking about on the, uh, in the interview, that people come along thinking, you know, they could keep their full-time job, a little blogging in the spare time, a few pictures on Instagram, and bang, 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 I'm going to start getting all this uh, all this kit and, you know, things like that. And it's just like, oh, that it, it, that is it's so hard. But the people that do it and people that succeed in it, they are they are really switched on. They are, you know, they, they, it's a full-time job for them. They know yeah. how to sell themselves. They know how to pitch. They know what to say to those, those people. There's nothing that sort of, and, and then you just t- it turns into something else. This, you know, this whole mm. idea of like this, you know, casual influencer just picking up things on the side and everything is, you know, it's, it's not. You know, there is that, but those, you know, you, people aren't making a living out of that. Yeah, and I think that's it. Does change things because I mean, the the reason why I do this is because I love having a conversation with you. I I love interviewing. Oh, people. shut up, you! <laughs> oh, shut up! But it, it, it's something I genuinely enjoy. Whereas if you look at my Facebook, if you look at my non-existent practically non-existent instagram when i'm out racing or when i'm training i don't want to be having to take photos i don't want to post about it because for one i want to be in the moment with people but also i don't want to be constantly blanketing my friends who probably know enough about my running already with more stuff to do with running or to do with a pair of trainers or and so yeah, I, I think it. As soon as you go into full time being essentially a full time ambassador for these products, essentially, um, the actual content that you want to write isn't actually yeah that's the content it. you need to write yeah because you'll find yeah. you then have to find ways to fit that stuff into what you're doing you know, and you can't it's you you then become like beholden to it. It's not as if you're like oh yeah. You're, I can take three weeks off because I'm ill, or I can take three weeks off on holiday and not have to do anything. Mm. Like your entire, it, it's just it's the nature of the it's the nature of the beast. Yeah, and uh, like interesting enough, when when I did the on video, so Claire and I went to Iceland. 
we um we we got a free entry and we got some free products but we still paid flights you know it's, it's not like it was we actually got any money out of it yeah but even, even from that i made a video which was quite fun where it was us mucking around doing the race it makes the race look good because the race was good you can see some of the products that we use because we genuinely use them and at the end of it one of the sponsors it's one of the, the one of the people featured in it was like is that it like 12 seconds of you using blah blah blah, blah. and i turned around and said well yeah like what what do you honestly expect this is a video that's going on the on website everyone's going to see if we do more than 12 seconds of me using your thing in a relevant way making it fun by doing um by doing this by doing the certain things then people are going to hate <laughs> the video and people aren't going to trust the fact that i'm you know trust anything because you know i'm genuinely using the products because i love the products and it's really interesting that they almost expected me to turn around and put out like a minute long video about this product by really itself. i know it's that's the thing isn't it but it'll be product managers or brand managers they it's like they don't really like they don't really understand how a lot of them don't understand how influencer marketing works they don't understand that it you're buying into someone's audience and that audience has bought into them because of the relationship they've developed and so you are trying to intercept that in a way that's still authentic and is still you know doing that but with a way about without or breaking that trust and if they you know mm. like you say if you shared more than you start to go it's turned into like one of those like james bond or something where you know everything's a sony product you know they're holding stuff up yeah. in order to you know and it just it becomes like really clear and obvious product placement then yeah. you know the, the trust that people have got when they start in it and going oh this is just this is just a bullshit promotional video i mean like it's so yeah. it's so obvious but you know it's it, that's the difficulty. That's what, you know, go back to what, uh, to what Sean Conway says, just raise the money yourself and not bother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but, that's um, what, and that's what caffeine bullet is for. <laughs> Are you going to do that? Exactly. So, so I, I'd love the idea that you then turn into that person. So you've got all these like caffeine bullet ambassadors and stuff, and then you're getting angry at them and chasing them down because they're not promoting caffeine bullet enough. Yeah. I mean, the thing is I've, I, cause I've been there myself for me, I think someone who loves your product, who talks about it only when it's relevant, when someone is like, what's that? And they talk with such passion. I mean, that is worth, um, it's just worth so much. And for, for example, dry robes, we haven't talked about them recently cause I haven't done obstacle racing, but when, when I talk about them to anyone or when I wear them, when I mention them, you can hear the, the joy and the love in my voice. I've never heard of them. What are they? Never heard of them. Never, never heard, heard of them. them. No. So, and, and that to me is, is what it should be about. And you, if you've got a product that people love, then reward them for loving it and, and help them help you. But doing anything more than that, and you're basically going to break their relationship with that love of the product. And, it's a, it's a, but it's a, but it's a lose lose then, isn't it, for you? Because mm. you know, if, if that if you were a brand and someone is promoting your product already without you paying them because they love it, you think, well, what's the point? What's the point of you know of giving us money money to them if they're already promoting it well? But but what you're yeah. saying is true because it is you know it's better for you to develop an audience and for people to see you as a as a great runner and to ask you oh, well, how did you knock, you know, so many seconds off? How did you do that? And then you to tell them, 
well, it's because I use this. That is much more valuable than you popping yeah. up in a video and going, oh, and I've just taken some caffeine bullet now, and now I'm really, you know. I mean, it's just, it, it's so obvious. But it, and what, it, it what's does... really interesting as well is that a lot of brands, they will want you to be 100% brand um, brand loyal. So I can understand that with someone like Gary Lineker and Walker's Crisps because yeah. it, it looks... It, it looks well the papers will yeah. down on it clamp down on it if he's seen with some kp skips or whatever it may be whereas actually for me i love some shoes you know i i do love my innovates for racing trail for other runs i love adidas adi zeros i'm desperate to try the nike vaporfly and get a pair of those and if you're any of those brands, you probably want your ambassador to only wear your clothes and only wear your shoes. But then that undermines the whole validity of what you're saying, because someone who loves your brand because they have to then can't speak objectively. Whereas someone who says, um, so, for example, Cliff knows that I'm launching Caffeine Bar, but they know that I love Cliff so much and also my trading strategy, my racing strategy is to do shot blocks and um, caffeine bullets together because they, them, I've made caffeine bullets to help me with shot blocks to complement each other, essentially. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think, I mean, it, it might be at some point they, you know, the, our relationship parts ways, but I will still carry on. Or well, hopefully, hopefully they make an acquisition and make someone <laughs> very wealthy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or they copy a formula and. <laughs> but something like, like if you're Nike or an Adidas or you've got clothes and shoes and compression gear and you're not going to have the best for everything. No. And so that is where it becomes it almost ruins trust, ruins objectivity and ruins people's, well, ruins subjectivity because if someone has to just wear your products, then they're either going to not perform as well or they're going to be lying. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And that's true, actually, when we're talking about, you know, running to some extent, like, you have an enthusiasm for running and then as soon as it becomes your job it takes on a whole different different uh you know just a different way of thinking about it because you know your mm. your your wage all of a sudden is tied to you doing this thing or writing about this thing and everything and it just it adds some ele- some element to it that, you, that just makes it very very difficult to keep enthused about whereas if you're perpetuating it through um enthusiasm and motivation then you know it that it it it, it doesn't it doesn't just it doesn't kill the you know the um it doesn't kill your mojo basically yeah and i think the the when we were talking to, to riley the, the thing that really struck me is when i when i do journalism uh, journalism running journalism i go to somaliland or i go to Myanmar and i run a race that i'm desperate to do have an amazing race and then really enjoy reliving it and that's a million miles away from having to think how do I come up with another set of lists for the worst things to do for a 5k or, and so while if you're a full-time journalist, while you might be loving some of the articles you write, it's always the ones that you, you hate doing that really ruin your career or just ruin your love for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. And so, yeah, just trying to, uh, 
you know, like you know that you have to write about certain things. Well, that, well, that, and that's it. Well, you know, that's the thing because you know you're writing to writing to um, an audience that's um, uh, that isn't as experienced. But you know, there's a good possibility that you were going to go one or two ways as a as a running journalist. You're going to become more experienced and more um, uh, more deeply involved in it and want to improve. But that may not necessarily reflect the things that you're writing about, which has yeah. to stay at the level of the audience you're writing to. Yeah. And so yeah. it feels though, you know, that you're either you're leaving it behind or or you're too far in advance. Yeah. So there's there, I mean, there's all sorts of things. There's all sorts of pressures. Um, yeah. On that, but, um, but but yeah, goats, goats. That's the way goats, to go. Goats, absolutely. But I mean, great guests. That was Hopefully great. Great episode. If um, if you've enjoyed this one, then good ones to listen back on are. Uh, we haven't really had a any journalists on before, have we? I'm trying to think. But if you if you want to hear people with opinions about who who've got very good uh, insight. We mentioned already the Robbie Britton episode, really good about 24-hour running, about ultra running. He doesn't hold back his views, and actually he's very well informed. Similarly, John Album obviously knows everything about obstacle racing. Um, he's got a great blog, and is very open with us about his training, his racing, his sky running. Um, which episodes would you recommend, Jody? Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I, well, I guess at the moment MDS is the big yeah, one. Yeah, that's the thing. So like the so it's MDS time coming up. So actually listening back to some of those MDS episodes um, is uh, really good. I think we had, there was a three parter when you were talking about mm. um, your experience of the MDS, but also there's the individual days as well. So you know, hey, it's like, it's changed about the MDS. They let them know in advance, like this year. Did they have to do that to you? They let them know in advance this year. What what days what? As in how far you were running each day? As as to what's happening on each day. As to we, whether the first day is June day or the second day is June day, stuff like that. Did that happen last time? No, we had no idea until the yeah, day. Yeah, they let them know now. It's just getting easier. It's oh, getting it easier and easier. I bet you, I bet you there's like a travelator part of it now. You <laughs> stand there, someone will carry your bags. And... <laughs> I don't mean There'll this. There's still be I one guy who chooses. Is... It's faster not to get on it. Yeah, to the <laughs> yeah that's it. No. If you've got any friends who are doing the MDS, Jody, before I went there, took me through a, a briefer than average, less than standard length podcast, took me through day by day what to expect. So if you've got friends out there who you can't really connect with because they've got no way of communicating with you, then that's a really nice way to try and understand what they're going through. And, um, and you can then use that to tailor the right messages support to them that you can then send through the, the MDS website. Yep, and of course, you know, if you uh, if you are doing the MDS, you know, someone do the MDS, um, let us know their number because, um, Every uh, every year we uh, manage to send them a whole host of uh, messages. I think we're pretty good as a community doing that. Um, some of which, some of which might actually be inspirational. Most of which are abusive. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good thing at least is if you tell us your number, you're going to get so much paper that you can throw away your toilet roll. You're going to have reams gonna, and reams of this oh, stuff. Oh, you're going to. The the thing is, if you're you you've got to make sure that you're in a tent without any other like do badders in there because you're going to be getting so much paper that they're all going to be feeling <laughs> dreadful. Just dreadful and just neglected. And they're going to think, man, this guy is so popular. Unless, of course, you're the G Law this year and everyone's trying to punch you in the face. Yeah. 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 There's, we'll find someone who's the equivalent of G Law. But, um, but thank you for listening. It, it is worth going back, listening to the A to Z of Do Battery. 
that explains a lot of the stories, a lot of the lexicon, a lot of the things we refer to. But if you have got through most of the episodes, go back to the beginning. Most of our episodes aren't actually that time specific. Um, and they are they're quite interesting to listen through, listen to, to listen to different races we've done and also the different stages we've gone through in our running. Um, so do go back and do those. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. If you can leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, that would be incredibly helpful. You can also subscribe to us on Spotify. Hey, Alexa, subscribe to Bad Boy Running Podcast. Hey, Google, subscribe to Bad Boy Running Podcast. See, we've done it for you. We, we could even do it for, um, for if you're, you're in, the, in the building, in the same room as your partner. Hey, girlfriend. Hey, boyfriend. <laughs> Please, can you pick up my laptop and subscribe to the Bad Boy Running Podcast? I don't know if it works. <laughs> And uh, make sure that you get on the so join the Facebook group, of course, um, and uh, join the poll. Who has got the most annoying laugh? Is it David <laughs> Hellard or is it Jody Rainsford? We'd love I think to, I'm gonna we, win that we one. Need to. We need to find out. Perfect. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we will speak to you next week. See you later. Bye 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 bye. Baby, come back. Bye 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 bye. I must admit, I was a clone to be messing around. And give me one more try Cause I love like this 